Hello, Swellians, and welcome to our manly live show, the Up in Smoke Tour. Uh, and this, this is a, yeah, this one's pretty good. I thought. I think uh, they can be hit and miss the old live shows. Neither of us uh, trained performers, trained <laughs> monkeys, so um, yeah, they can be a bit, uh, a little bit shit from time to time. But this one wasn't. I didn't think. And uh, man, the guests we had. Were the creme de la creme. Jack Robinson, if you wanted to know more about this creature, uh, and I'm sure most of you do, because he's one of the most enigmatic, eccentric, vortex shamans in all of surf history. Mm. And uh, we went deep, deeper than anyone's ever been with little Jackie Robbo. Not so little anymore, as it were. No, I don't think uh, anyone realised that he was going to turn up in the headspace or the, the in the spirit of the Swellians like he did. He came ready to to give as good as he could get. And uh, it was awesome chatting with him, wasn't it? The whole room was just mesmerised by his journey, uh, particularly his journeys through the twisting innards of the cone zone. Mm, indeed. And uh, Laura Enneval, was so good to have a, uh, a swelliette on the program. Uh, and, you know, one with just the set of oversized ovaries that she's <laughs> lugging around about. What a mad bitch. Are you kidding me? The egg jam on her. Wow. Charging. Uh, make sure that this is the first ever live show where we did pre-recorded intros and have a go at them. They're, they're going to be crispy, aren't they? So make sure you pay special attention to them because Smithy put a, a lot of effort and love into those things. How good was it also to have the most underutilised world champion history, Damien Hardman, the two-time champion Iceman, Ice on Man. stage with us? And he was fantastic. He was the cherry on top for this night. Make sure you don't tune out before Duma comes on because he was, uh, you know, he was a wealth of great stories. That was such a classic era of professional surfing. Really the, the beginnings of professional surfing as we know it today. Uh, but still, you know, he, he takes us on the warts and all uh, kind of journey through it all right from the get-go. First, his uh, <laughs> first words out of his mouth yeah. were unbelievable. But, so uh, good. Such a sick episode, man. Had a ball that night. Love the manly uh, the manly faithful down there. Oh, the stain. I've, I've been kicked out of that pub so many times. This was the first time they actually let me hang and pack up my shit for once. <laughs> it was good. But, uh, mate, uh, Ain't That Swell Live, brought to you by Billabong. We've been harping on about it, but... Billabong Weddies, right now, it's all about graphene. Get, Get one. the graphene on your skin. Stay warmer, longer, lightweight materials, feel super comfy. You can piss in those things for days. I don't think they're any better at getting rid of that rancid, you know, ancient piss smell that your weddie can smell like if you don't give a chance to wash it out. But they are comfy and they're warm. Mm, get one, get, get it online. on your Get online. Get your junk all around it. Here's Manly. Enjoy. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I like to say, and I ask if you're gonna find me, because I want to be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their, his testicles so far off their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now, I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the pull back, drop down, say, bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did travel some humongous ways. Oh, that looks good, Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jen and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are bad. <laughs> Get a haircut. 
Yes, shredheads, waxheads, kooks and bonnies. Welcome to Ain't That Swell live from the Stain Hotel in Manly. One of my favourite venues on the planet. Come one, come all, come stain. I'm your host for this evening, the two-time Gold Cone Piece Award-winning surf journalist, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch-drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the plant-based punk, Smithy! Smithy! And I'm joined here, as always, by my loyal co-host and friend, frontman of the Goons of Doom. Five lifetime bands from this pub. Former editor of Waves Magazine, Tracks Magazine, Surfing World Magazine, the bastard from Brookie, the hillbilly from the hill, Vaughn Deadly. Now, Vaughn, I understand you're from the neighbourhood and I assume you would have come staying a few times over the years. What are your memories of this, uh, you know, this, this venue, this town, this place? My only memory is getting kicked out of here endlessly, left to, you know, die on the street. Uh, but actually, uh, Manly is a pretty special place for me, Smithy. I used to love coming down here. A lot of my favourite surfers were from this beach. Barton Lynch. Bainey was uh, originally from just up the road, Lane Beachley. What the an absolute Cockroach legend. Castle, Rob Bain. King of the Cockroach Castle. That's right. And my favourite of all, Nugget, the skateboarding bull terrier. He used to carve up and down this boardwalk like an absolute fucking legend. Loved him. Mental joint. But it's not just about surfing, Vaughan. Uh, you know, Manly's a town on the up and up. I was uh, lucky enough to have a walk around the plaza yesterday. And, uh, you know, it was positively popping off. There was uh, sights and sounds and smells everywhere. I even walked past a store that was dedicated... Completely to cheese. Cheese? A cheese store, Vaughn. In Manly. Kidding me? <laughs> Kidding me? Felt like a kid in a cheese store. It was uh, incredible. There was, uh, I tried all kinds of cheeses. I tried some Norwegian goat's cheese, some uh, burgundy cow cheese. I even tried some Richie Lover dick cheese. <laughs> incredible selection. Respect brew. to the cheesemongers of uh, Manly. But yeah. That's good, yeah. Different vibe from where you're from, Smithy, Manly. Uh, you know what, though? It's not that different to the south side. It's got its dirty underbelly. But these days, uh, you know, the whole place is absolutely on fire. And I hope you guys have a really good night with us tonight here at The Stain. This joint is iconic. This is where the after party for Morning of the Earth went down. And let me tell you... Kidding me? It was not that much peace and mung beans that night, mate. <laughs> I, mean, I can yeah, still yeah. smell the... Uh, the traces of that. There's a bit of a residual bong smoke, I think, just seeping down from the ceilings. That's Fucking right, the original 1971 Morning of the Earth after party was here. Was right here. What do you reckon that looked like? Probably the same as this. Just a bunch of fucking pissheads get right on it! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, Smithy. Yes. What else you got for me? Well, uh, I mean, Manly, what have I got for you? I guess this was my introduction competitive surfing back here, and I think it was 98 or 99 as a fresh-faced 12-year-old. Uh, I'll never forget it, watching Taj Burrow take out the event and standing there, you know, in the front row and looking up at Taj, uh, collecting his winner's, winner's check in his speed dealers and ankle-length board shorts. And, and I just distinctly remember thinking, you know, just looking up at him, uh, all that future success and potential writ large on his face, and I just remember thinking, one day... I'm going to fucking ruin this cunt. I'm going <laughs> to dig through his trash 
uh, find some salacious dirt on him and take him to the fucking cleaners because uh, the golden cone piece will be mine. Oh, yes, it will be mine. But, uh, I mean, that's what modern journalism is, it is. isn't yeah. it, Vaughan? Just yeah. a rancid vat of self-interest, hypocrisy and corporate cock-sucking. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm glad I've been in the uh, media for 25 years, Smithy. I, I don't know what to tell you there, mate. Maybe <laughs> take down those trackies, old boy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what do you want to do? Well, no, let's, uh, I reckon let's get our first guest up. What do you guys reckon? Run the tape? Yeah. And now, our first guest of the evening. The term Core Lord, Cone Fiend, Chew Pig, Hellman, Heathen, Mad Man gets thrown around all too loosely these days. But our next guest is certainly that. He's packed more giant green cones than Richard Cheech, Tommy Chong, Cypress Hill and Michael Peterson combined. He's clocked up more vision of the womb than an ultrasound technician. He's a rookie on this year's world tour and already arguably the greatest tube rider of all time. We'd cherry him onto stage if it weren't for his gargantuan set of gonads that would surely slip our disc. Please welcome to the stage, Jack! Robo Robertson! Round of applause for Jack Robo, the biggest freak in the pit. Since Boba Fett got swallowed by that sand monster and Return of the Jedi. How are you going, mate? Kidding me. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, brother. First Stoked swelling, to be here. First swelling experience? Uh, yeah, I've seen you guys everywhere, but um, now I'm here. So, yeah. Vorno. Old mate. Smithy. got a penis head over here. Remember, <laughs> actually, Jed, 10 years ago, Jed called me um, penis head. He wrote an article about me, like, when I was super young. It was pretty, like, it was pretty funny, but then... Um, <laughs> so we went on this trip, all right, and we did this stab trip. It was my first ever trip, and um, with with all you guys, fuck, we get on this trip. I was so young, and um, yeah, Jed was on there, and we went through the gnarliest weather or whatever, and like had the crazy boat trip. Anyway, had the hell time with all the boys, and um, yeah, it was really funny. We uh, once the trip was done and, you know, everyone got seasick and stuff. Like, I was the only oh. one that didn't get seasick. You were spewing up, like, man. so much shit. And then... Fucking... Yeah, why, why, why were you not seasick, man? You're, like, Connor Coffin, uh, Ian Gentil, Kyle Belly, your boy Smitty just yakking. But no uh, Robbo. No Robbo, yeah. No, I was the one that pulled through the most. I had a little bowl cut then, back the in the day. The bowl cut was on point. It was the pinnacle of bowl cuts. The creme yeah, de la yeah. creme. <laughs> yeah, no, that but was... It was actually more of a, a greeno window, I thought. You had the kind of fringe. There he is. Yeah. Mate, it was, a, it was a marketing dream if I tell you that, all right? So we'll, we'll stop right there. Anyway, so we got... <laughs> anyway, the boat trip gets done or whatever. And um, yeah, then we get back to Penang. My dad was on the trip too. It was classic. We used to... We, it, was, it was so funny. Anyway, so we got back and we were staying in this... Like everyone was messing around with each other the whole trip. And we got back to this dodgy little place. It was Ramadan at the time. The boys are going mad. And... Um, we get in. <laughs> I, I knew you guys were gonna mess with me this night, so I like 
I stayed in a different bed above my dad. And then Jed and the filmer, Riley Blakeway, Connor Coffin was with us. And they, <laughs> they got this toilet paper, like this like big roll of toilet paper. 400 bucks a roll, by the way. But yeah, if nowadays it wouldn't have probably happened, but back then it was cheap. So <laughs> we, we got this big roll of toilet paper and boys had all this like peanut butter, peanut butter and somehow like found Vegemite in Padang. And they got a big spoonful of Vegemite and peanut butter, put it in the toilet paper as if it was a shit. And then they go running into the bed where my dad was sleeping and chuck it under his, under his pillow. And he wakes up, whoa, the fuck, you know, like, like <laughs> and, then, and then he didn't know who it was, woke up in the craziest, like, rush, like, who's that? What? what are you, what's going on? And then I knew it was Jed or, or like, Riley or Connor. Come on, mate, that's a wild allegation. I don't have to answer this shit. Yeah, 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 you're going to answer to it right now, bro. Come on. Anyway, so he runs out the door, chases Connor Coffin out the street, mate. He went running for his life. We didn't even see him. And, th- and then... After that, came back in. Riley Blakeway was filming the whole thing. And he goes, yeah, what are you doing, man? I was fucking shove that camera up your ass too. Like, come on. <laughs> and then Jed, the little bugger, was like hiding away like in his like little, little, um, little room. The mastermind. The yeah, we never mastermind. saw him. He was, he was just good at hiding. And then after that, <laughs> about a few months later, I was, I, I was still too young to kind of understand like what was going on. Like articles written about me, you know, but I was like, Oh, yeah, okay, it's, it's kind of, yeah, all right, let them deal with it, let my parents deal with it. And then my dad, Trev, then saw Jed on the Goldie and, like, ran into the room and, like, ch- like chokehold Jed, I think, and then, like, said, I'll break every, whatever, break every bone in your body, why shouldn't you tell me why you did that? And then, <laughs> and, he, blah, 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 blah. and then, like, and the rest was history. Then ten years later, I see you right now, and here we are, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah. No, look, look, look normal in one piece. It's all right. Really? <laughs> Funny thing is, is that your head right now looks exactly the same as that haircut. Right, you look worse than that. Choke oh, come it. on, <laughs> mate. <laughs> nah, I'm on your Bravo. It's all good. It's all good. Great story. Taking me down memory lane. Yeah, that was a classic trip. It was, uh, yeah, so it was you, Connor Coffin. Chow Belly. Kiowa Belly. Yeah. Ian Gentile. And you mentioned the article, mate. My, my tips, they were on point. You've done exactly what I said you were going to do. Connor Coffin, uh... I predicted he would, you know, either choose a free surfing path, path like, you know, a current-esque kind of journey. Kiowa Belly, though, he was, uh, to me, had so much grit uh, on that trip. And he's, yeah, fulfilled his potential big time. He's a fucking gritty character. He was charging, yeah, on that trip. Remember that? Yeah, Just that, that story, day we man. rolled up to bank folds, he yeah. was charging. I mean, you were such a tiny grom. Like, you were, like, I remember you got a you know, big wave and disappeared for half an hour and yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. what happened to you. You got washed up on uh, the shelf on the inside. It yeah. was like, it was a good, how, I don't know how big you call that, like eight to eight foot, something like that. Oh, back then it was probably a lot bigger, but now yeah, everything's I mean, bigger when you're smaller. So it was, it was good fun though. We had, we had a good trip. That was a memorable trip, if I tell you. Like com- from where everyone is then to now, it's like... Man, yeah. fucking oath. And to see where you are today, man, from that day to now, like, you know, you had so much potential and you've, you fulfilled it, man. I'm, I'm fucking pretty proud of you, man. Like, you had, you've had not an easy run and you've fucking nailed it, brother. No, no it's not easy always, huh? It's a, it's, a, it's a big step, huh? You know, so you have many steps in your career, you know what I mean? Like, it's, um, yeah, it's just you work all your whole life for that stuff. So um, here mate, we are, bro, the Swellians. <laughs> <laughs> talk, talk us through it, though. Talk us through your preparation. Obviously, um, this is your rookie year on tour. It's the big show, the big dance. How are you preparing for it? Um, 
well, I, I kind of had it like a lot of years, you know, when, when I was younger. I see things a lot different back then. So in the last couple of years, like I sort of just took a bit of a reset, kind of just getting back to what, what I know and what, not, it's not what ev everyone else's opinions are coming at you. Because, you know, in this sport or in any sport, you have so many opinions, people telling you what you should do and what you shouldn't do and blah, blah, blah. So just kind of getting back to like knowing myself and know where I'm at, just owning this shit. So that's, that's it's kind of just, it's been a big reset in that. And then, yeah, just never getting, um, you know, like, I want to say, uh, um, what's the word for it? Just, just very enthusiastic about where I'm heading. Not, not ever letting a foot down, you know? It's, it's yeah, it, it, take, it takes a lot and a lot of dedication. Tell us a bit about your small wave surfing, mate. Because when you were a Grom, you had no issue <laughs> with it. I'm, I'm curious to know because it, like, it was never a problem. It was yeah. never even mentioned. You were doing like yeah. the most futuristic airs you could do. You were ripping the fuck out of everything. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, people started to think that, you know, once you got onto the QS and it was a grind and that your small wave game was in some way, you know, not up to scratch. Like, did you ever feel like that? Did you start believing that? Uh, because in the last two days, you've pretty much paddled out there and taken the fucking manly beach to pieces. Yeah, I mean, I don't really give a shit about that. There's always going to be someone that's going to say shit. And if you're doing good in sport or you're doing good in some category that others aren't, they're always going to make a comment on it, you know? So it's like, I always knew I had it. It's just I didn't really put the time in sometimes. But then I would have flashes of it. I do. I am good in small waves. I know what I can do. It's just sometimes I don't put the time in on it. And then I wouldn't put the time in on it. Okay, I can, can do this again. So it's like you just shy away from it for a little bit and then um, come back to it. So, and whatever anyone says, you know, that's always, it's always fun for people to, you know, pick at things. You know what I mean? That's what makes yeah. it fun. So it's, it, it, for me, I do, do what I do and I know what I do. So. And just before we get deep into your life here, I just want to know one thing. Yeah. You're a pretty spiritual character. You run on energy a lot. You know, I remember uh, one time after a, a post-heat interview at the Vulcan Pipe Pro, it might have even been the one that you won. You can feel me, can't you? I can feel you, mate. I can feel you. Everyone in the room can feel you. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> why you can tube ride as good as you do. You're just responding to energy. Uh, uh, yeah. But listen, one time after a heat, you said, I said, how's your, you know, your preparation leading into this surf? Because it was huge. It was hollow. And you said, oh, yeah, it's been a bit iffy. You know, there's a full moon, so uh, that sort of upset my balance and I just needed to kind of realign myself. Get comfy, mate. But it's, it's not a typical thing you hear in a post-heat interview. <laughs> you know, like, do, do you feel the earth around you? Did you feel the energy of, of certain situations? You know, like, tell us about sort of where you connect with energy in your life. Yeah, I, I feel things. It's, um, but that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is that no, a fair mate. call, or am I just reading it wrong? <laughs> Do you think that's a fair call? Yeah, yeah, no, I could, I could feel the, feel the earth, feel the ground. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I, I do. I, it, that happens when you're in like a, a very like kind of uninterrupted state. You know what I mean? Like it's, and that where it be a serious situation in really big waves or something where there's a huge shark or something. Just in very intense situations, you have to feel the moments what they are. Um, and then you don't really, you can't never really explain that unless you do it yourself and you be put in that situation and that's going to show how you react. So it's like, it's kind of once you put yourself in that, then there's no way to really comment about it. You just have to feel it and focus on what truly is there, nothing else. That is fucking cool. Yeah. Fucking no. I like that. <laughs> I've always said it, Vorno, surfers from West Oz are a different breed. 
Um, you know, like, and it's obvious why. Like, you guys are bombarded by a swell year round. You've got options ranging, you know, in two foot to 20 foot slabs, beaches, uh, just the wildest conditions. Um, talk to us about the waves back home and, you know, the kind of surfers that they so consistently produce. Yeah, well, when I was growing up, I sort of looked up to Taj, Yaden, Jay Davies, Dino Adrian. Like, that was a lot of the guys that were always pushing Core it. Lord Chew Pig Maniacs, oh, the fucking lot of them. Are you kidding Core, me? Dino yeah. Adrian? Yeah. Kidding me? Yeah, kidding me, bro. No, <laughs> anyway. So, I, always, I had my, like, my first real session with Dino out of the box when I was young. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was, I was pretty scared of big waves, to be honest, like, back in the day. But I always... You know, that fear sort of makes Back in the day, yeah, when you're like four years old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ten years ago. Penis head days, bro. <laughs> uh, you remember. <laughs> nah, so, um, uh, yeah, I was always pretty pretty scared. But I, I sort of, that's what probably makes you do the right thing, you know. It's, um, yeah. How old were you when you got your first proper slab? Um, probably about... I would say... And talk us through it, what you can 11, remember of that session. Yeah. 11. Uh, yeah, probably at the box when I was about 12, had a real session. like 12? Yeah, 12. Yeah, there's so many soccer yeah. mums and dads in the room going, fuck, when I get home, I'm going to fuck crack the whip on my kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's right. just paddling out north, whinging about a few three-foot closeouts. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then some, and then some, some parent will come up to me, hey, what am I doing? His little brother's seven years old and he just doesn't have the go on him. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like... Tube pig, you are... <laughs> Numero uno in the world. I mean, what do you reckon, Vorno? It's like, it, it's got to be him in, between him and John John, right? For sure. Well, I think, I don't know if anyone's ridden or seen the inside of waves like you have, other than maybe John John, Bruce Irons. Beyond that, maybe Jerry Lopez. It's hard to imagine. If Jed's the saying that, Jed must that. be gnarlier than all of us, though, because he's <laughs> the one calling it out. You know what I mean? Like, Is if that you're how it works? Yeah, I, I think if you're the one going to be calling it, you've got to do the, do the same thing or better. I don't know about that. I don't think that's ever been yeah, how Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what I want to ask you, man, is like, when did you realise you had a special talent and what exactly brought on that realisation? Um, you know, was, probably there, was it a wave, a session, a rhythm that you got into where everything just seemed to click and, and just never stopped clicking? Because, like, um, mate, you're, you're like a fucking... You're a tube creature. It was like you're born in there. It's bizarre to watch yourself. Yeah, well, I was oh. born in one. <laughs> yeah, you're born in the womb. We and all you're just are. Desperately trying yeah. to get back in there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's just how you imagine it. It's <laughs> like, I, I, I reckon I was very like uninterrupted, just to sort of be be amongst my surroundings. Not like it's not like today where there's a lot of things going on. With it's like iPhones, Instagram, people want to be this or that, famous, blah blah blah. But it's like just being in your own surroundings, growing up in a place like that and finding finding yourself there then you create imagination it's like it's just the next level like instinct that you practice forever it's kind of and that's the thing you can't explain it's like a kelly all these got john john like they have they have all everyone has that it's just how much you how much time you get and how how much of a calm you get to be put in to feel yourself you know what i mean in, in those moments I'd love to say I know what you mean, but I, I don't. Yeah, okay. Well, you asked for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've got no uh, idea. Yeah, come on. Get, what, tell what, me, give me to me, Jed. When yeah. you're in heavy water, when you're in this sort of surf, when you're, when you're surfing heats at Pipeline, uh, are you thinking about the heat? Because I remember, uh, I think it was the final of the, the contest you won there. Yeah. At the very start of that heat, everyone's out there. They're all pipe experts. 
and a set came and you just paddled through them like they weren't even there. Do you remember that? the start of that heap? You just went straight oh, which, through which these guys, the... paddled over the ledge, straight down. I mean, are, oh, you, are yeah. you beyond the heat at, in that moment? Are you just thinking this wave is a cracker, no one's getting it except me? <laughs> yeah, you're not really thinking about anything else. The, you kind of disregard what else is going on around you. Or you know what's there, but you disregard that. It's just, it's just all lies on the target. So, yeah, that's... That's how it rolls, you know, and that's always with crazy situations. I'm scared, like, in, in certain situations, but you still, you, you do what you remember, what your muscles remember. That's, that's what pulls you through, instinct. What have you seen in there, man? What have you seen <laughs> in some of those things? Like, <laughs> Talk us through Does it go dark and the things start spiralling and people's yeah, well, faces start flying past your head as you're in? Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty round in there and, yeah, it's, you know. Do you, do you have, like, visions? Do you yeah. see other things? Does time like twist yeah. and turn into like the start of the Doctor Who show? Yeah, yeah. Time, time walks. I was a big Doctor Who fan back in the day, and then yeah, but it's things weird things happen in there. You know, it's no, I'm kidding. Bro. I, I, reckon, I reckon you're not sharing the true secrets of the pit, mate. The rest I'm of sharing us, it. You just got to go. He's a shaman. He can't. I told you the sh- the shamans. It's a very Un, it's a it's a it's a truthful law that we have to ourselves. We don't ever tell anyone too much unless you come and experience That's it. Right. I reckon. No, I'm kidding with you. I'm messing with you, Zorba. You come and on. me are going to get a couple of toads and get get Jack Robbo on the on. You know, we'll we'll lick the toad. He can just guide us through whatever it is he sees in the chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robbo, you can can you talk us through it if we uh, get on the toad, the Sonoran Desert toad? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's as close as we're going to get yeah. to packing something like that, Vorno. Yeah, oh, well, you, you'll probably see way more than me once you take it to that level. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, Robbo... No, it, it's, it's, it's good, you know. It's like, oh, man, you can't even explain things. It's certain things, you know, a lot of guys see it, but they just don't... You can't really put it into words, you know. And getting onto the world tour obviously requires a, a different bag of tricks to the ones you, you tend to develop in the West. Um, you know, what are the big areas that you needed to improve on to get yourself through the, the grind... That is the world qualifying series. And how did you improve on them? Um, probably being just... <sighs> I, I didn't really believe myself as much before. Like, I always did, but it just, just with a lot of things going around, sometimes it's almost too much, and then you sort of go, oh, am I up to it in certain ways? But it's, it's been in enough of a calm state to actually know, like, don't be scared of no guy, like, who's going to come up against, no matter if it's, like the very top guys or not someone as good you never look at them you know this or that you know they're, they're all they're all really good and so it's just getting your mind out of that and then being able to move forward on your own, with your own belief you know what i mean that's that's a big thing it's it's you really you, you go out in some heats and you think oh i'm up to it you know what i mean it's like yeah <laughs> and how do you keep calm like what are your techniques and, and how did you build the self-belief that you have because like i said you know you, you you've had a challenging run but you you've fucking shattered in mate. you're here with bells and whistles on about to take on the big show what's your secret to to keeping calm keeping the self-belief and just being pretty much unrattleable as far as i can tell yeah it, it's it's a funny game it's like um yeah you you it, it it's just really depends on you just got to not worry about other shit, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much bullshit out there. It's like, fuck, I do, I do what I do. I have my routines. I, I do this every day. Why should I be scared of anything, you know what I mean? It's, this, is, this is what I do. You believe it? 
and you're going to see it. So s- you know, structure, like routine, like you're very self-disciplined. You've got a strong work ethic. Yeah, Talk yeah. us through your routines, like just for, you okay. know, I mean, there's a lot of people out here who are, you know, by the looks of the average age of the crowd, it's 35, so everyone's well past any hope of being a professional <laughs> yeah, surfer. Yeah, but yeah, they yeah. still could benefit from some, from, from some structure and routine in their lives. But, Jed, you could tell them. You're the Mr. Shaman calling it out on me. On, on the, uh, the toad-licking uh, cone fiend, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. I've only just <laughs> developed structure and routine in my life, by the way, after a fucking chaotic cunt of a time growing up. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's done wonders for me, I've got to say. But it, it was a long time coming. And that's the thing that trips me out about you, Jack, is that you have an emotional maturity at such a young age that is so far beyond your years. And you had it at 11, man. And yeah. I, I think that went in the article too. It was, you know, you, you knew when to stand your, stand oh, it was your long ground. Ago. Yeah. At 11 years old. Not many 11 years old have that gumption uh, in them. Yes, true. No, it, it become. I think that, that's like a product just of what you surround yourself with, to be honest. Like, it's, it's what imagination you create and what, what you're around. Well, that's what makes you up, you know what I mean? It's, it's, if I didn't come through, I'm not even telling you half the stuff that I've been through, just, just mentally. There's so much stuff that goes into it to making you, you know, to be standing here today. So it's like, and that's not even physically, it's just mentally. That's the biggest challenge for me. It's like, you always have steps like that in your career. So, yeah, it's just knowing that you have to stay true to yourself, you know what I mean? Just keep, you keep grinding all day long, you know what I mean? Thanks for sharing that, man. That's really yeah. fucking cool to yeah. hear. Thank you. And just to, just to clarify, the... Uh, the peanut butter and Vegemite uh, simulated shit gag was definitely aimed at your old boy, Trev. Mate, I'd, sp- <laughs> I'd spent fucking 10 days on a boat getting my ear bashed by him. Like, I had, I had to get him back. Come on, mate. Nah, you were you, you it kidding was a- me right now, <laughs> bro. You should, um, Smith. Hey, listen, huh? man. What, what, are your, what are your goals? You've, you've spent the last few years, you know. No, no, no. We're cutting it too short. You, no. I want to get him back. You, you can get him, get him back as much <laughs> as you want. What I want to know is you've, you've done it. You fucking qualified. You won the first event of the year. You won the last event of the year. What are your goals for 2020 now that you are on tour? Is is it just a surf well? Is it just you know like? It's interesting because knowing you, hearing you speak, it it seems like a number like top ten isn't going to mean anything to you as much as getting to uh, waves, having the best heat you can possibly have, or surfing the best you can surf. Like yeah. what, what's your goals for the year? <coughs> what's gonna what success at the end of this year going to look like? To be honest with you, if I if someone when when people do ask me, oh, what's your goals? They want to hear it right then and there. You know what I mean? So it's like they want to hear the answer. Oh, give me an answer. What is it? Top ten, top five? You know, well titled, all this stuff. No, to be honest, it's an imagination for me. I already imagine what I'm gonna do, but I don't make an expectation on what I'm gonna do. I know I know what is in my mind, but that's that's just one thing you focus on being better day by day. You know what I mean? Like I created more of a routine today than what I did yesterday. Well then, it's good, you know. I'm I'm getting to what I know what I have to get to, and I'm imagining to get to. That's that's it's not what you see the end before you've even got to. You know what I mean? So we're just here, another step, first event, last event, whatever it was, got it done, another step, and and then it's it's on to another big one. You know what I mean? So yeah, mate, you are dead set, one of a kind. You're an interesting unique, special spirit. And I reckon we're all fucking so stoked that you're on tour because you're going to bring another element to this whole game that we've never seen before. I'm so stoked you're there. Thanks, yeah. Eves, Jack, Robert. Can you bring it? Yeah, the boys. Yeah, brother. Right, right. Waves, 
waves of... Don't worry, Jed. I still like you, okay? It's all right. I'm glad you like me, mate. Waves of mortal... Someone get me a beer. Sorry. A beer for the host, Sorry for thirsty. <sighs> waves of mortal coniquence. Uh, look, I'm interested to pick your brain about some of the world's heaviest waves. You've dominated all of them. Pipeline, chokes... Ma- Ma- Manly Beach. Manly Beach. Start Manly Beach. It's, yeah. uh, it's brutal out there. Some gnarly <laughs> blue bottles. But uh, Pipeline, yeah. Chopes, Nalu, North Point, The Box. You know, what makes each of those waves so unique? Uh, you've dominated all of them. Yeah, talk to us about just some of those waves that you're, you're so at home in when nobody else is. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't really know what makes that work. <laughs> I know. Just, just putting time in probably and then... Like, talk to us about, like, um, your affinity with tombstones. Yeah. Nalu, like, you're probably the... You'd have to say you'd be the best of all time, right, to surf it. I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with that, Jack, there's but... Some, there's a lot of good guys, yeah, but it's... it's that, that was one wave I was super scared of. I, I was really scared of that wave. Yeah, it's so fucking it's, deadly, it's man. It, it kills regularly. All the best guys have been done up out there, like Kirby Brown, Roy Craig... Um, you know, they've all been seriously yep. injured. But yeah, yeah, talk to us about that wave for starters. Like, yeah, no, there's a lot of good guys, especially on the good days out there. Like, I'd be out there with like me would be like the younger guys, Jacob Wilcox would be me, him, and then it would be like I want to say um, who else is out there? Like Jake Perkins. If you haven't heard of Jake Perkins, yeah, Jake, I know Perkins, Jake Perkins, was Perkins a, from Calvary, maniac, desert dweller. You know, and then it's like there's there's some really good guys, the Brown brothers and. And all the boys from Calvary is in Carnarvon. There's so many guys like that are so good out there. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just probably being around good headspace in the lineup too. You know what I mean? Like when you have crazy guys in the lineup, you don't really hold back. You know what I mean? Like uh, you go to Chopu with Nate Florence, Cole Rothman, or all these guys. You're not gonna hold back. You all want the biggest wave. I was there on like when I was younger, like 15 years old. And we were all, um, there was a bit before that photo was actually taken. It was the one before when Nate Florence got his crazy wave. And um, what Kelly Slater calls the greatest tropes wave of all time. The yeah, one where he, no definitely, hand definitely, definitely one of them. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. That, that was like underground. But that, that day, there was, there was no limits. You know what I mean? When you create those situations, I think if you're by yourself, you don't always create that. But that gets created when guys like that are together. There's no limits, really. It's like, it's just, it keeps coming. Like, what is there? You know what I mean? Uh, and what's the dynamic like between you all? Like, are you screaming at each other or is it dead silent out there? Yeah, no, if, to be honest, it's actually everyone's just laughing and, like, I can't believe how everyone's carrying on. But everyone is looking out for each other because it's life or death, you know what I mean? It's no joke, so... Fuck no, it's no joke. No. But so. uh, you've... You know, I feel like you've been pretty injury-free, have you? Is that, is that a fair comment? Or did you, did you have a bad uh, injury at Pipe? No, I had, I had a couple injuries. I... I broke my leg, did dislocated my ankle, and uh, then yeah, I was lucky. I had had some gnarly injuries when I was younger, and then got knock, uh, knocked out at pipe one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want one? Um, a drink? Nah, good, bro. You drink it for me. Um, yeah. I'm on the sidewalk. Not the swillings. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that that's uh, fuck. What were we talking about? Uh, crazy days at Chopes, and uh, I guess uh, just the dynamic between the people in the lineup. Because uh, oh no, sorry, it was injuries. We moved on injuries. to injuries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I got knocked out at pipe one time, like pretty, really heavy. That was really dangerous, and hit my head numerous times there. I just 
Uh, it's just scary, man. It's not, it's not to be taken for granted. So, yeah, uh, I, I woke up on midway underwater, and then luckily, lucky I came, came too, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you just try not let that happen. It, it's <laughs> and, you, and you can't avoid it sometimes, but those waves are just too crazy, man. So you've got to be humble. And uh, can you talk us through, you went on a recent trip somewhere in South or Central America, I saw on your Instagram, to one of the fucking most hectic-looking slabs I've ever seen. Um, yeah, talk us through a session like that and a trip like that. Uh, just give us the whole blow-by-blow, blow, because it looked like a wild adventure. Yeah, that was kind of a crazy trip. I hope, I hope you guys knew what, you know what South America's like, like deep in South America. It's pretty... Pretty hectic, a lot of guns, a lot of cocaine. A lot of narcos. <laughs> And yeah, it's it's a heavy place down there, man. I don't know if I don't know if I it's it's nuts anyway. And we went to this wave down there and it was these guys took it as this wave. I don't think you can surf it without the guys, the other guys lock it down, but yeah, it was it was heavy. I got washed up on this like volcanic island, had to walk through this jungle <laughs> and then back out the other end, like spat out like a little yeah, just like a toothpick, you know. It was like it was pretty heavy. So that wave was crazy though. There was a couple of us. It was Seth Maniers was on that trip and um Bellaram stack. There was a few guys, and um, yeah, we did. It was actually a snap for trip, like a, for the film or whatever. And um, yeah, we, we it was good. New wave, didn't even never surfed it before, so we found this found this weird, crazy slab. Was that exciting or terrifying? Stumbling on something that probably only a handful of guys in the entire world can surf, and you're looking at all these other psychopaths, and you're like, well, who's going to hit it first? How, yeah, yeah, who yeah, jumps no. off the boat first? Oh, who who it's took psycho, the first wave? Like, Especially as your career goes on, you kind of get more tentative on that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's it's sort of you got more going on. More there's more. It's high stakes. You know what I mean? Like risk. So it's like how much do you want to push it? You know? Like and um, yeah, everyone was going going nuts. It was it was pretty heavy this way. So yeah, it was definitely a life experience deep in uh, Costa Rican jungle. Mental. Yeah. Might have yeah. to bleep. Uh, it was crocodiles too out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I believe we're keeping the location. Uh, under wraps, so we'll just be bleeping that out. No, 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 no. To be honest, if you went there, you probably wouldn't even. It's no one would even surf the wave. It doesn't break every f- six years. I wouldn't you know? want to fucking know about that thing. It looks insane. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's heavy. What's around it surrounds it is even heavier. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, just good to get out of there. I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be a bit indulgent here because I just love picking these guys' brains about the actual mechanics of how a wave like that breaks, like. T- tell me everything. I want to know everything, Jack. Like, how does it hit? Okay. How, how, does it, how does it hit the reef? Like, is it long or short period? You know, what's hanging out on the inside? Like, is there a chip shot into it? Like, how, like these waves that you surf, man, just boggle my mind. It seems superhuman to me what you're doing and, and what Nate Florence and the like are doing. Yeah. Um, there's it's just years and years of practice. To be honest with you, Jed, you start. <laughs> Best answer. Yeah, Years uh, of practice, mate. Uh, Move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. Right. What's yeah, that? What's that? Answered well enough. Okay. Okay. Start now. I <laughs> start now. <laughs> but uh, man, no, sunset. Sunset 2019 was. Uh, I mean, they're calling it the best performance. What did you guys make of Jack Robbo at Sunset last year? It was fucked up. It was freakish. He turned, like, one of the world's most fearsome waves ever into, like, a three-foot right-hand running superbank. It was unbelievable. 
Yeah, no, well that was well that, that was fine. I let, let you guys decide that. I let you guys decide the outcome on that. But it was I've seen a lot of good guys surf sunset really well, and um, yeah, it's just it's in one of those zones that you kind of there's just nothing. You don't see anything else in your way. You're so clear at that point. You know what I mean, it's not even a hint of anyone else's existence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's just just it's just all you. You know what I mean? And and you feeling it. That's it's close as you can get to it, I feel like. So. <laughs> oh, ah, here we go. <laughs> here come uh, the swellings. Here they come. No, it was a photographer. It wasn't me. You saw the photographer. <laughs> uh, but it's a notoriously uh, hard wave to read. Yes, uh, it is. And you had it on lock that day, like. How do you make sense of a lineup like that? I don't know. It's just uh, I don't. It, it's to be honest. I started surfing there when I was about thirteen. When I, like the first times I was going to Hawaii, the first couple of years, and um, and then yeah, just sort of build up every day out there. Just every day I would sort of just just surf there, and then there in Haleiwa um, and Pipe. You know what I mean? Like it was everywhere. Surfed everywhere. It's just just creating a relationship. It's like. It's like anything, you know what I mean? Like it's like, it's like you or you know, like I mean, it's just creating the, like creating the, the bond. Exactly you know the I mean? same as the relationship I have with South Narrabeen on a two-foot day. Yes, exactly the same. Yeah, definitely. It's funny, like hearing you talk about sunset is so different to how Elko spoke about sunset, wasn't it? What did he say about it? Oh, he sounded like the Rain Man when he started talking about it. He had uh, all kinds of markers and lineups, and he could see swells of yeah, different periods. Yeah, I do periods. have, I do have like a serious lineup out there, but it's like. Well, don't feel obliged to give it up, Jack. It's a nice house, okay. anyway. Yeah. Leave it there, mate. That's uh, <laughs> that's for you to know. But uh, of yeah. course, yeah, someone brought it up. The Zeke incident, Robbo. Uh, no shame in it. Either way, you know, are you talking to a guy who grew up watching Adam Mad Dog, Adam Mad Dog? McDougal clean his studs on Jeff Toovey's face in the 1970 Grand Final and saw nothing wrong with it. Nothing at all. He's milking. Get up, Toovey, you sook. That's what I was yelling at the TV. Jeff Um, Toovey needs a bronze statue right there on Manly Beach, mate. Beaver. And I don't think it would be unfair to say that Zeke might have been milking that either. I mean, sure, he'd made two impossibly deep and perilous eight-foot sunset tube sections and come screaming out of the tube only to run over your board and rip a couple of fins out. But uh, (laughs) should that have stopped him making it? I mean, not having fins hasn't stopped Derek Hind. Not having an eye hasn't stopped Derek Hind. So Uh, uh, I'll tell you what, that was... You're milking it, Zeke. Stop milking it, mate. (laughs) Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, you know what? That that was a good board, but I had an even better board in the end. So it was, and he had a good board too. I think I don't, I think he had a real good board too. So it was just unfortunate, to be honest. I wouldn't be standing here today talking to you right now if I didn't bail on my board. My legs would be chopped off. No kidding. You know what I mean? So it's True. like anyone wants to say shit. You know what I mean? They go go do it. Go do it. Be in that unfortunate situation. You know what I mean? Like it's it's an unfortunate situation. So fucking is what it is, you know what I mean? Well said. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, why don't we give this man a round of applause? What an enlightening evening with Jack Robbo. Thank you, guys. What's your plan, man? Are you going to stick around or are you going to hit the road? You got a heat tomorrow? What time is it? 
It's uh, uh, ten past eight. It is a full moon, though. I must warn you. Yeah, why don't you get Bemmy up here, Matt Bemrose? Where are you in the crowd, Bemmy? Uh-uh. Bemmy, get your ass up here. You can take my place. Oh, but he's hiding in the up. back. He's been panic buying toilet paper last that few days. Like... He might be doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's yeah. one of the panic buyers. Well, it's, it's good. I mean, I guess the one upside to this whole coronavirus uh, panic is that Swellians, we, don't, we at least don't have to go out and panic buy toilet paper, Vaughan, because we're rinsing the corn on the daily. Are you kidding me? <laughs> up the Swellians, up the sparkle corns. <laughs> well, Robbo, we're going to let you go, mate. No, Thanks no so worries. much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate your time. One more round of applause for this bloke. Good luck in 2020, brother. Thank you, guys. And Robbo just whispered in my ear, don't forget to tell everyone to buy a Swellian T-shirt out on the way out. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. Righto, Smithy. It's time for our next guest. Tonight's next guest is a hell woman of Tulsi Gabbard proportions. Jaws, shipsterns, South Coast slabs, you name it. She's come, she's seen, she's conquered. Nine parts pure maniac and one part beauty. She's got the absolute chronic in caviar and so much surplus egg jam, she's considering putting out a line of conserve for all the cowards out there. Please welcome to the stage, North Narrabeen's finest, the blonde nuclear bombshell, Laura Eleva. You guys dance so good. Jesus, it's just like uh, what we do, how we dance on the hill when the Eagles get a big win. Imagine the Beaver putting one over here now. The boy from Narrabeen, the debuted in 93. Now it's come from Alfred to Beaver. He got it away for Robertson. He got it back for the Beaver. How is it, Laura? How are you? Yeah, good. Um, Beaver actually lived above my grandparents my whole life, so we're mates. Can you do it? Can you do the voice? The brookie. Whenever Steve Menzies took the field, you guys know the... Can you do it? I can't. I just got chills. I can't really do it. I've lost lost my voice a little bit. It's been a huge week for you, Laura. Um, Your film, Two and a Half Years in the Making, premiered the other night. We got to sit on stage and have a chat. I, I don't know if you guys understand how good this movie is. I mean, there are so many surf movies out there. Laura Anima has just dropped. One of the best ever. If you get a chance to see it on the big screen, please do. It is incredible. It's called Undone. Where do we start here, Smithy? I just have to start by saying that um, 
Jack Robinson. <laughs> yeah, who is he? <laughs> He's so weird. <laughs> but I love him. But he, he doesn't piss in his wetsuit. <laughs> it is like I went to the desert um, with him on a little long trip before he moved to Volcom and um, he surfed from like 6am to about 4pm and he didn't go in. He went in and got a muesli bar. No, he, no, he actually didn't go in. He like had a muesli bar like bought out to him by like a, a wizard or something. But uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> A fellow shaman. He, he like was eating. A, I went in like three times. I like couldn't even make a wave at this wave and... Um, it was that big Nalu. I just ate, ate crab a lot. But he stayed out for like 12 hours or whatever. And when we came in at the end of the day, he like is running in and he starts like stripping off his wetsuit and he just starts pissing on the beach. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't, I don't pee in my wetsuit. And I was like, wow. are you kidding? You just served are all day. Are you and I, I think it's the most baffled I've ever been. He's like, I don't want my wetsuits to stink. I was like, you get them for free. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I in mine in the car park. <laughs> <laughs> that's the secret. That's, that's the secret. That's the secret. So Smitty, I that's think... his secret. He's so busting to fucking do a piss that he's just going to race through his section yeah, after yeah, section. Yeah, <laughs> make yeah, it to yeah. the beach on time and get his wetty off. Yeah, yeah, it was... Well, wow. that's the secret, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's go right back to the start of your story, Laura. Growing up at the infamous North Narrabeen, uh, the, the motto is North Narrabeen hates you. Is that, that <laughs> that's correct? NN hates you, like hates with like the little eight in, in, in it instead cool, of like... Cool, <laughs> cool, skate talk. Yeah, I get instead it. of like I the A-T-E, it's like the eight. And, um, and then it, it's uh, in the alley we trust... Yeah. Right. Why is that? Because the alley, like, when it opens up, all that beautiful shit from Narrabeen Lake comes out and makes us all awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it mutates you guys. Mutates you into you too. surf you geniuses. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> but, yeah, talk no, to us about did. the kind of repu- reputation the place had, what kind of energy it had when you were a grom, like... Yeah, I, um... Yeah, I grew up with, uh, like, a hundred older brothers, basically. I thought I was a boy for few years when I was probably like nine to twelve and uh yeah I um I used to think I was a girl and I did gymnastics and then like all of a sudden I started surfing and I wanted to basically be a boy and wore board shorts and just ate pies and was sponsored by Pies R Us <laughs> that was my first sponsor on the nose beaver <laughs> come on so down to Pies R Us for a beaver yeah, we, we would come in from the surf every um, afternoon and I think I had like three cheese and bacon rolls and a steak and cheese and I don't even know how I, I ate it all. I just wow, you look good considering, Laura, <laughs> i got to say. Hey, this is my favourite thing about Laura growing up at Narrabeen, right? So she, she goes through the motions. She, she surfs on the alley rights as a kid, gets really good, gets bred into that competitive system, Smivy. Wins the world junior title at home. Kidding F- me? First Narrabeen surfer, I'm pretty sure, to win the world championship at Narrabeen Beach. Wow. The junior world champ, I mean. It was a great party at the surf club. Great party at the surf club. <laughs> Next day, paddles out. I said to her, like, how many waves did the boys give you the next day, being the first world champ? None. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, growing up there, it was, like, it was complete tough love. They didn't... Um, I was, like, sort of the princess of Narrabeen, but, like, also got 
put in the dog cage. I didn't get pissed on, which was good, but um, oh. the other boys did. My brother maybe did. <laughs> and, and he still <laughs> smells like he did too. Chris you, Chris is here tonight, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got the magic pee. Um, but, I mean, I feel like, yeah, when I, like growing up in Narrabin, it was, um, yeah, it, was, it was really wild. It was, by the time I'd come through, um, you know, everyone was, it's obviously a very localised place and it's got a lot of history and there's like the grommet pole. I remember reading books about the grommet pole and like people getting tied to it and like tomatoes thrown on them. But um, I did Sounds like 16th century uh, <laughs> Spain or something born. Getting yeah, it was like strung torture. up in the stocks. And <laughs> but it was, um, I don't know, yeah, growing up there was amazing. Everyone was so supportive. And I, I think the cool thing was like I used to serve against the boys growing up and um, everyone's favourite thing was uh, if I, all oh, the older boys' favourite thing was when I, I beat the younger boys. So. <laughs> They um they kind of did everything that they could in in the heat so that I could beat them and they could give the other boys crap. It's interesting, yeah. You, you touched on the history of the beach, but can you talk us through the history of the, the beach? The uh... yeah, shut up back there. <laughs> what she said, you heard the woman. But yeah, talk to us about the history of the beach, the the deep pedigree of talent this beach has produced and the weight that that carries for up and coming surfers because you know obviously a lot of people here in the audience will already know about that but some of our listeners our international listeners won't be so aware of North Narrabeen's mind-boggling surfing legacy yeah it's um yeah Narrabeen's got an amazing legacy I mean Duma's coming up here oh does everyone know that yeah Duma's coming up after you blew it thanks but oh. yeah <laughs> Damien Hardman is coming on thanks Laura no, only joking. Yeah, Everyone knows. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, having, you know, Hedgie, Simon, um, Davo as well. I, I, Chris Davo. I can see a bit of yes. Davo when you actually yeah. Laura. Yeah. Davo actually, uh, the very first QSI one, I had Bemmy and Davo carry me up. It was the best moment of my life. Bem Rose, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't slip off his head and fall on the ground. <laughs> no, Bemmy. <laughs> Who? Bemmy. Matt Bemrose. Yeah. Oh, I oh did he have Bemmy. hair back then? I'm pretty sure he was bald when he was about three years old. <laughs> he did was. hair ever grow on that guy? No Where one's is sure. Bemmy? Is he here? He's up the back there. Yeah. And what about female role models? Like, who were the female role models you looked up to? Was there even any female surf films that you could watch? Not. Oh, I mean, I guess Blue Crush came out and I've, I loved that. <laughs> Yeah, talk to us about... There's such a dearth of, like... Uh, everyone I know loves Blue Crush. <laughs> My brother. You, you said you love it. I do love it. I do love it. <laughs> but, uh... Well, no, that's I, true. <laughs> I, grew, I actually grew up with my dad watching Endless Summer too, And, um... I just... I loved Endless Summer too, but I got petrified of going to Fiji because of sneeze-snakes. 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 Sneeze! So um, I loved the movie, but I refused to go to Fiji for like my whole entire childhood <laughs> because they got chased by sea snakes. But um, that was the go-to movie my, with my dad every Friday night um, and my brother. And then uh, that was obviously before Blue Crush. But um, I, I grew up, you know, loving Lisa Anderson. She invited me to Hawaii when I was 11 years old. No way. Tell us about that trip. Well, I, um, yeah, I was 11. I was also, like, the most awkward, like, 11-year-old surfer ever. Like, I don't even know how I got, how I got sponsored. <laughs> I was, like, this little, like, 11-year-old, like, rat. I look like Caius King. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, a girl. Like, he looks like me, actually, obviously. But um, I... Zing. Yeah, I had these, like, buck teeth and... Uh, 
I got sponsored by Roxy and I like didn't even want to wear their bikinis but they invited me to the Lisa Anderson champ camp and uh, I went over there so I was with, you know, Lisa, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea Georgeson and Sophia Milanovic and all the girls. And, wow. And that was like the most amazing trip ever except I, I missed my flight home and then um, I, because back in the day they, you know, the flights weren't very regular, I missed my 12th birthday party so... <laughs> my, my parents had this birthday party and I wasn't there, but... <laughs> and what was it like? Uh, talk us through, yeah, just hanging out with that, you know, pedigree of female surfer, what you learned from them, how they treated you. I mean, women at that point were still a very, very much a marginalised, you know, community within surfing, still are. Um, yeah, what, what advice did they have for you? How, how were you treated? I mean, I, I mean yeah, they, they were amazing. Lisa is incredible and then even... Um, yeah, they were, they were fucking awesome. <laughs> but I think, I don't know, I, I did those trips to Hawaii and I came home and, I mean, I feel like I have to credit so much to, you know, who I am today because of the guys at Narrabeen and how much they pushed me and my brother and, and everyone there. If I, I feel like it was, you know, this tough love situation where even even in big waves, like whenever Narrabeen got good, which was a couple of times, <laughs> a year on those big, you know, nori swells, um, yeah, if I didn't go out... My brother was basically like, I'm going to give you shit for the rest of the month. <laughs> you have to do it. <laughs> you, you had a really accomplished junior career, though. You won a, an ISA world title. You won uh, the world junior title for the ASP at the time. Uh, you got on tour, and you were on tour for seven years. L- looking at it now, with a couple of years away from that, did you, do you feel like you accomplished everything that you hoped that you would when you first got on tour? Not at all. I kind of sucked on tour. <laughs> but I, um, I had, I mean, I feel like I did the best I could do at the time. It's so hard. Like, you don't, you, there's nothing that prepares you to go on, like, to get on tour. And I was 17 when I qualified. I didn't even know myself and I didn't even know, you know, what I wanted. And I was just kind of, like, growing up on tour and... You know, I, I, I think I went, like, at, at one point, like, ten losing... St- I couldn't make it through a heat for, like, ten comps in a row. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I, like do, I, do I suck? Like, but it was just... It's so mental and it was... It, it, out of that came... Um, you know, it was just such a learning process for me to... Yeah, everyone shut up back there. Yeah, it's a weird thing to come to a talking show and talk. Bit fucking weird. It's Could have saved 30 bucks and I, just gone I just downstairs. don't even know how Jack put his feet up here the whole time. It's like... He's a cruiser. He must be very flexible. <laughs> but, yeah, so... And, and how formidable... You know, you got on tour. Steph Gilmore was already winning world titles. How formidable an opponent was she? I think, yeah, that was the hardest thing. I mean, you qualify, you get on tour, and I had, like, an amazing junior career, and I had so much fun. I got on tour, and I, like, just... I, I made a couple of heats off the bat, but then I just, like, couldn't get through a heat and I was getting smoked. I was getting comboed by Steph and it's, like, in that time of, like, just, like, losing, 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 it's, like, when you really have to just dig deep and actually actually be nice to yourself. Like I said, I was kind of mean to myself about how, you know, like, I never got... I, I made one final. That was in my first... No, my second year on tour. I never even could make it past the quarters after that. And I think it was just... It's, you know, the girls are so amazing, but it's so mental. Like, you, it's so, you know, it's such a test to how you mentally have to believe in yourself and how you mentally have to stick to your strengths. And 
And yeah, you are always going to lose more than you win. But I mean, I think for me, it was, it was like the more I competed, the more I, you know, I don't know, the more I realized that <laughs> I just loved free surfing. <laughs> so, you know, I did, I was doing, I was doing 20 comps a year at one point and um, I, I was surfing just like crap two foot waves and I was starting to become, you know, just quite miserable, just like comp, 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 like every second week. And um, it wasn't until I finally made that decision to go and surf like go on surf trips like in between these contests that I actually started like doing well and feeling like myself and feeling like a surfer again and like not just this like comp robot that I just felt like I was more like just became but I yeah you won your first major comp in a long time right here at Manly Beach but it was after you'd surfed 12 foot waves at P Pass right and and I asked you the question the other night what was better was surfing the 12-foot waves better or was winning here at Manly Beach in front of a home crowd better? Honestly, that's, that's what I had to ask myself and it was um, the only two comps I ever basically won. I mean, I won this one contest in the Azores, which is where Davo and Bemi carried me up and I slipped off Bemi's silky shiny, head. Shiny, shiny <laughs> head. And, um, and then the only two comps I really won, I won World Juniors and I'd literally had gone to PPAS and, and got like the best barrels of my life like the day before. And then it took... You, oh, I love you too. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> but you came home from PPAS, you won the biggest event of your career outside of the world titles. And after then you, you were lying in the bed only that night. The only comps I've ever won is after I came home from P-Pass. I'm like, I should probably go to P-Pass every week or something. Because, like, I won my World Junior title after going to P-Pass, like, the next day. Then I went to P-Pass before I won the Manly contest, came home and surfed two-foot Manly and won my first comp in, like, ten years. <laughs> and then that night I kind of was sitting there and I was like, what felt better, like, surfing these, these waves and getting barreled or winning the contest at Manly and I, um, yeah, surfing those waves. Surfing these waves. Oh, there? <laughs> so yeah, that that's right. So this is a, a bit of an shit. epiphany moment for you, right? Because yeah. you've just won the biggest comp that, of your career. Uh, it's been a long time between finals, between a good result. But this is where your mind starts to wander. You want to start getting shacked. And uh, I remember I was editing Surfing World at the time, Smithy, and uh, this photo came in. I was like, what the fuck is this? Holy shit. And it just, I started like ringing around. I spoke to Steph, I spoke to Sally, I think who was on this trip. This is the first trip that Laura did to P-Pass. And they were going, oh yeah, she is fucking mad. She's crazy. And um, so tell us about how you ended up finding yourself, you know, drifting away interest-wise from the tour and into this new big wave realm that you've basically made your career now? I, um, yeah, I kind of just started going on more and more, more and more surf trips and I really decided after like a really crappy year on tour, I like qualified on the last spot in the QS and got back on. I was like, you know what, this year's going to be different. It was, it was 2016 and I, I made a decision that I was going to go on a, like, every time I saw a swell, like, I just had to go. Like, I don't care, like, what comp was coming up, what training I had to do. I was like, I'm going to go to Fiji, I'm going to go to Peepas, I'm going to go to Indo, I'm going to go to Tahiti. I'm just going to go surf because I just felt like after doing so many comps and, like, so many comps are in, like, 
you're doing like a couple of snaps and just like trying to make it through. And I was like, I just didn't feel fulfilled as a surfer anymore. And I was like, so I, I made the decision to go, go and surf, um, you know, go on these surf trips. And, and at the end of the year, I, uh, I got invited to go to Jaws to that, to the big, the first ever women's big wave contest. And I just somehow decided to say yes and go. And um, that like changed my whole life basically. <laughs> Talk us through that day, because that was L- Laura Enova. A little bit lost for words. Fuck, fucking frightening to uh, to put it mildly, but yeah. Talk us through the day, like everything about it. Yeah. So, um, what was that? Oh. <laughs> I probably I have to... should have worn this. That's for sure. <laughs> might have to call actually, might have to... It. Oh, it's toolsy. Huh? <laughs> no, throw it. No, no, no. I'm just saying, you know, we, we, we'll have to get security in. There's a bit of a... There's, bit a, few, of uh, lo- there's a few groupies in the front row. It's an interesting, uh, an interesting dynamic, the, the, male, the male groupie, isn't it, Vaughn? It's I'm uh, a... one of the lesser-known kind of subcategories of sex pest, but... Uh... I think... <laughs> I think that people are confusing us tonight with this beautiful hair. <laughs> Give me that, Benny. Vaughn um, is looking resplendent in a uh, nylon grey wig. Is that a wig? Beaver. Hey, tell us about this day. So I basically got invited to Jaws and I got told it was going to be like 12 foot and glassy by Pete Mel. He was like, we're only going to run the contest when it's 12, 12 foot glassy. You girls will surf in the morning. It, it, like, it'll be awesome. You can do it. I was like, oh, cool, cool. And then um, the contest got called on and I, I had never even ridden a big board. I didn't even like know how those like anything worked there. It was the first time using a... I didn't even have any of the equipment. I just like went to Hawaii and like Greg Long and um, Shane Dorian like just like gave me all the shit. And, <laughs> and they're like that the night before the contest, they were like, all right, this is how you pull the vest. And we like pulled it and I like puffed up and I was like, this is so fucking cool. <laughs> I'm like a puffer fish and then I like don't even you, think you I knew. You must have looked like was... a lollipop with that vest yeah. inflated. Uh, yeah, I started, and yeah, I started being called the marshmallow. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah, I was I was probably a lollipop, but um I and then Josh Kerr and CJ Hopgood were in the contest and we all joked about the fact that I should tape my knees. It was like this ongoing joke for like the few days leading up and um, I actually should have taped my knees because I got my knee got blew out completely. <laughs> this this wave that is on screen is the is the wave that everyone remembers. It was uh, <laughs> you were deep. It was early in the heat. You started paddling. You got caught up in the lip. The wind was howling offshore. This thing starts standing offshore, up. Offshore, it was like sideshore. Sideshore. <laughs> And it, all of a sudden, it just jacks up out of nowhere and your frame just goes flying over the falls of, like, <laughs> basically Niagara Falls in a barrel. That, that's what it looked like. Oh, it was so what heavy. What did that feel like? like <laughs> oh, my God. Did, how long George, did you spend oh, suspended in air? What's his name? George Tafua. Shoulder charge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she knows. It's like getting hit with a blindside shot from Jorge Tafua. <laughs> George Tafua. Unbelievable. But, yeah, describe what it looked like. Describe that whole wave from start to finish. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what happened. Like, we got out in the lineup, and I just 
I'd only been out in the lineup on the boat for like 20 minutes before I even my heat started. So it was like my first time seeing this wave was like 20 minutes before my heat and I'd never surfed it. I'd never surfed a big board. I just like was so blind. Like I can't even believe it looking back on it, what I, what I did. But um, I paddled out and I remember Ian Walsh just going, he said before when I was paddling over, he's like, if you see a wave, you just go, you paddle, you don't turn back. Like you just go, Laura. And I was like, okay. Like, and so, like, I got out there and, like, I didn't even know, I'm like, just picturing, what... picturing uh, his voice in a speech bubble above <laughs> your head as you were stroking into that. Just go, Laura. Don't just look go. back. <laughs> go! <laughs> Don't Damn you, we are! <laughs> but I think the heavy thing was that, like, because I had never been out there before, I paddled into the lineup and I was like... I don't even know what a big one is or a small one. Like, I have no Fuck. size, like, chart out here. <laughs> and, like, this wave came through and I was like, I think this is, like, a small one. And I just turned around and I started paddling. And I was like, okay, Ian Walsh taught me, like, when I start paddling, I don't stop. And then, like, when you think you're on it, like, take four more paddles. And I remember, like, thinking I was on it. Then I do, like, these two extra, like, pussy noodle arm paddles, like, that did nothing. And I would just, like, try to stand up and just, like, I actually flew off the back of it and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't even think I'm going to go over the falls. I was like, I just escaped this. But because the wave's so big, it's just a delay. <laughs> oh. And so um, I was like, I'm not even going over. Yes, win. And then I was like, oh, God, here we go. And then I just started, like, getting sucked over and I was like, I'm going to die. And I, uh, I pulled my vest and um, inflated. But the funny thing about this one is, like, I went straight down and over the falls and I, like got exploded like a ping pong ball like straight back up like where I took off and just like popped up like went down did like a few somersaults and just like shot out of the water like a rocket <laughs> wow holy steak and potatoes wow. Batman are you kidding me couldn't have said it better myself Vaughn That's the most terrifying surf story I've ever heard. I've, I can't even imagine turning around and having the guts to paddle that. Like, is it a decision? Like, do you have a moment where you have time to go, is this a good or a bad idea? Or are you just like, damn you, Ian! <laughs> oh, I don't even know what I was thinking. I just, I turned around and I was like, I'm going. Okay, I've got to go now. I've decided I'm going so you can't stop. And, yeah... I just didn't even realise at the time, like, when it's that windy, like, you need to be, like, at the bottom of the wave and, like, it's just nothing like I'd ever obviously been in before. But um, I fight, like, and then my next wave, I, I tried to go and that was when I, I blew my knee out and that wasn't even a really, that wasn't even as big as this, but it was, it was still, it was still a big one. But um, I actually, my, my knee got, like, I tore my MCL under the water just from, like, getting tossed around and yeah. just, like, yeah, what's oh. the violence like? The violence of the uh, the ocean there when you get lit up. George Tufu. <laughs> <laughs> what the manly three quarter just yeah hitting you under the ribs? No, no. Um, I mean, I had the impact suit on and everything, but like you're just getting so like tossed around. It's, I can't believe you didn't wash up on the rocks just like a bit of broken Lego. I know. It's well, crazy. That was a thing. Like after I tore my MCL, like I was like, oh my god, I should have taped my knees because like everyone was like looking at my legs and I had all this like gear on and it just stopped like above the knee and like my little chicken ankles were like popping out and everyone was like, they're gonna fall off. And, <laughs> And um, I ended up, yeah, I ended up tearing my, 
my blowing up my knee. But um, yeah, it was. I kind of didn't really notice it at the time, and it just uh, obviously the adrenaline. But then realized I'd really, really torched it. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna bring it up. I mean, some of the world's best big wave surfers, people like Mark Matthews. You know, he nearly well, he popped his shoulder really badly at uh at this very wave. Uh, the morning of the big wave contest there. And I think uh, shortly after that, he came back and was getting whipped into a South Coast slab and had a, a leg break that was so bad, he nearly had to get his leg cut off. Um, who else we got? Uh, Kiala Keneally obviously nearly had her head cut in half uh, in a towing mishap at Chopes. Uh, Russ Bjork was knocked unconscious and, and nearly drowned at uh, you know a, a Victorian bomby. Brett Bircher broke his neck uh, at a South, South Oz slab. Billy Kemper broke his pelvis and blew his knee out just the other day. Like, it seems like serious injury is almost an inevitability in your line of work. And um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, basically. Yeah, I'm never doing it again after that recap. <laughs> I know. That is the end of Thanks. Laura and of his big wave career. Thank you very much, Jed Smith. That's what I'm here for. Two-time gold cone piece award winner. No. Um, no, it's it's one of those things. Like, so making the movie was the hardest thing. Was you know turning up to these waves, and I had so much support from so many guys. But at the same time, like they, I just that they, they were all just like, I don't want to kill Laura. Like, I don't want to be the one that toes her in, and like she dies, and I've killed her. And like, I just had to like reassure them. I'm like, I want to do this. It's not your fault. If something happens to me, it's my fault. Okay, it's not going to be your fault if you kill me. Um, but it is, it's hard. Like, I, I did put, even, like, I went to the right last year and I remember, you know, I just, I never wanted anyone that, um, you know, I, that the last thing I ever want is for someone to think that, you know, if, if something happened to me, it was their fault. But at the same time, I don't understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big wave surfer. I can say that now, I think. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can definitely say that. And... Uh, if I get hurt, I'm allowed to get hurt and it's going to happen. And I just came to terms with that. And I just told the boys, I was like, don't worry about me. If something happens, it's not your fault. And I want to be here. I want to do this. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. And I'm, I'm only doing it for myself. I'm not doing it for anyone else. I'm kind of, I've lost my, I've lost probably, yeah, <laughs> lost my mouth. You, you are the most unlikely big wave surfer. You know, just on, on first impression that you've ever seen. I spoke to uh, Shannon Worrell, who was the guy who took you to the right, prepared you for the right. And uh, I said, you know, what was your first impression of Laura? And he goes, and this isn't an impression of him. I'm just going to give you a bit of a typical sort of West Oz drawl. And I said, you know, what was your first impression? He goes, yeah, I didn't know much about her, but uh, I got on Instagram, saw this, you know, skinny little thing drinking cocktails. I thought, ah, <laughs> oh, well, this will be interesting. <laughs> And, you know, but in the end, he said when he met you, he knew. He knew straight away. He knew you were the real deal. He knew you were committed. That was a really scary experience for you going to the right. Um, talk us through, you know, the journey from, you know, being injured. That sort of led to you falling off tour and then making this film undone. Because this is your journey for the last two and a half years. Going from not even knowing how to drive a ski nearly killing your brother a couple of times to, you know, doing stuff that only a handful of men have done and you're really only one of maybe two or three women in the world who has seen the inside of these sorts of waves. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like, 
you know, when I decide, I'm so stubborn that like when I fell off tour and I decided that I wanted to, my main goal was to get back to Jaws and to make a wave because I just felt like I can't just go to Jaws and eat crap. I need to go back there and I need to make a wave. And so I kind of decided I wasn't going to go back to the tour and go back to the QS and I was going to lose my seat and I was going to have to just like do do this. And then I went down the coast a couple of times and I met Steve who's here tonight, Wally, in the in the, in the second row there. Round of applause for Steve Wall. <laughs> and, uh, and Maddie Dunbar is here tonight as well. And the first trip that I did was with Steve Wall and Maddie Dunbar. And we like had this idea. I was like, I want to do this and I want to surf these, you know, slabby waves. The first, actually, the first trip I went on was down to um, the Wollongong and I... Uh, we'll have to bleep that, but carry on. Yeah, yeah, bleep. <laughs> Bloopity bloop bloop. Yeah. Um, I don't want I don't want the predator after me, alright? Yeah, so. we can't say any of the waves around Australia. Meow. Meow. Um, and uh, I feel like the first like three trips I went on, I just like snapped my board and like ate shit. I just like had this crazy wipeout reel. And but the boys were like, I, I spoke to them. I was like, I want to make a web series, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll just like go and you know, I, I thought Fiji, Tahiti, Indo. And then, you know, a couple months later, Steve invited me down to Shippies with uh, Russell Bjerke and Brett Bircher. And uh, I just was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Like, I didn't even have a board. I took my brother's... I, <laughs> I took my brother's board down to Shippies because I was like, I didn't even have a 6-1 at that time. That was like, all my boards were just going to get snapped like immediately. And so I took his board down and... I got down to Shippies and I did the two and a half hour walk that I didn't even know existed. I just thought, I don't even know what I thought. <laughs> I, I didn't even take like shoes to walk in. Like, I ended up walking <laughs> in like my boots <laughs> and got like fucked up blisters. But um, got down there and I ended up getting convinced to, to jump off the rocks. Got towed into my first wave and just got absolutely lit up. And that was my first time ever towing and... Uh, I don't know, but after getting those waves and like getting that vision, I was kind of just like hooked and it just evolved this whole, you know, like just, you know, the, the story and the journey just became so yeah. clear. And I never thought I was going to be like this slab surfer girl. Like I just thought I was going to be like warm, nice places with pretty barrels and blue water. But then I ended up just like obviously ending up in really remote, scary, sharky, freaking scary waves and... Um, all the boys that took me under their wing along the way were just amazing. Got me the waves of my life. Fuck yeah. And talk us through one of the waves of your life. Like, what's a real psycho one uh, that we can expect to see in Undone? Oh, man. There's a lot. There's a lot of them. I'm not joking. If we can... Look, I, I think that you've got to go see the film because Laura could talk us through the film, but you've got to experience it. It's so beautifully put together. It's so beautifully shot. There are waves in that movie that brought me to tears, Smithy. I'm not joking. Like, I was watching it and tears were forming up in my head and running down my cheeks, just like when I used to watch Beaver. Blue Crush. <laughs> you gotta Run have... off a cliffy lion's inside ball and just streak out on a try line. Highest scoring forward of all time, Beaver. <laughs> but go and check it out. But Smithy's right. Talk us through some of the waves that are the most memorable from Undone. I'm gonna try. Do you gotta go watch it? Buy our film Look at this broke. Shit. <laughs> uh, 
Shut the front door. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, it was, like, it was beyond everything that I ever expected. I never expected to do this, and I just can't believe, when I look back over the last two years, that I even ended up in that situation. I never, like, I never thought that was going to happen, but I mean, it, it was an incredible journey. It was fucking hard. I, like, broke my brother's knee with, like, a trailer, and, um, I got hurt, and, like so much, we had so much stuff go wrong, but then you get into these moments and you like get that vision. It sounds so lame, but like it's just, it, you can't. Like, you're oh, it's all about the vis, Laurel. <laughs> None of us would even be here if it wasn't for the vis. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just, it's the best feeling. And um, you know, there's so many moments where I was like, am I doing the wrong thing? Like I'm, I'm not making any money doing this. I'm spending all my money that I made on tour for like seven years and what am I doing? Like I, like, but you know, you have so many, like so many things that like push you down and, and don't make sense. But then you have a moment like that and it makes it all worth it. <laughs> yeah, you have a <laughs> Well, I think, you know, clearly the last two and a half years have been remarkable. Not just for you, but I think for women surfing because slab surfing is a uniquely, it is a, I mean, there, there are other pockets in the world, aren't there, Smivy? And you're, I know that you love the slab aficionados. You love them. They're a different breed, but this country has so many slabs and so many core lords who just take it on. And this young lady is right there with them. Yeah. And when I spoke to Danny Griffiths, one of the only goofies who totally packs shippies, he said to me, Laura Enova could get a start in Cape Fear and win it if she gets the wave. That's from the one of the most fucking hardcore humans you will ever meet. Surf Shippies on his backhand. Uh, it was, He's a maniac. Yeah, Danny, Danny got me the wave of my life at Shippies. He towed me in and I literally was screaming at the back of the rope going, I'm too deep! Like, fuck off. Like, I literally thought he was putting me, like, onto the rocks. And I, was, I thought I was going to die. And I ended up just like pulling in. I made made this wave, and I wanted to kill him when I was like on it, thinking that he was he just killed me. But then um, he yeah he put me in the spot and got me the wave of my life. And so many of the other guys like that was the craziest thing. Like I was so scared when I first started because I just thought I'd like I'm just this little blonde girl that just like falls off to her and rocks up to these slab waves, and these guys are gonna think I'm an idiot. And like what is she doing here? But they were so nice and so welcoming and just they didn't think I was they didn't think I was a joke. They just took me under their wing and they knew that I wanted to do it and um yeah they helped me do it. So thanks boys. <laughs> and I think yeah. How do you want to sum up Laura Enervis Mivy? I mean you're a guy who loves heavy water, you love the underground, you are fighting the eternal battle against the man. How do you sum up someone who goes from the glitter and the glamour of the World Championship Tour for a life of basically driving into the desert by yourself, eating flies every 10 seconds, throwing yourself over the ledge of waves that could break you in half? Uh, the words hashtag Yas Queen come to mind, Vaughan. Uh, look, I'm in absolute awe of uh, a lot of the work she does, not only in surfing. Uh, also, I love that Know the Feeling series, that uh, Billabong documentary travel series. Um, you mentioned uh, watching Laura surf giant tubes brought a tear to your eye. Well, 
you know, watching that actually almost brought a tear to my eye, but, you know, big smithies don't cry, obviously. But, uh, yeah, that was a great series. I, th- I saw when you are in Morocco at that uh, all-women's argan oil cooperative and then you were hanging out with the girls skating, uh, you know, and these kind of... Uh, I'm not... I guess they're kind of a, a more oppressive countries than this and, um, you know, profiling all these young women around the world who were, you know, breaking the mould and, and taking on, um, you know, surf and skating. Uh, I thought that was an epic series and that was incredible work. Thank you. Yeah, that was really cool. It was, it was, that was one of those moments, um, like, we're so lucky to live here in Australia, but, like, I know 30, 30 40 years ago, like, Girls weren't really allowed to go surfing, even manly. They got fucking told to go in. So surfing for women has come such a long way. Um, I feel like I'm in the luckiest, you know, like right now, like, you know, with, I mean, equality in women's surfing. And right when that equal pay came in, I decided to go spend all my money and (laughs) surf slabs. So I didn't really get that benefit, but uh, I'll be at the bakery next year. (laughs) Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a pity <laughs> Dilma doesn't still have pies R us. You would have been a straight up yeah. start on the counter yeah. there. But um, no, I just think that, uh, you know, being a woman now and in, in, in the surf industry, it's totally shifted and changed. And you look at what all the girls are doing and it's just incredible. Like, and, and so that's the thing. Like you go to these countries like Morocco or, or India or Sri Lanka where like to be a women surfer is frowned upon. Girls are just meant to be in there, like, cooking and making bed sheets. So it's just, you know, all these girls. Like, one of the girls, um, oh, thanks, my Jack and Coke. <laughs> yeah, T. Yeah, yeah. What's Keep going. up? And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so eye-opening and, and also inspiring. Like, this girl that we went, we went, uh, we met up with in Sri Lanka, she was the only female surfer. And even when we were in Sri Lanka, we went to go surf a, surf a wave and, all these, all these men started, like, yelling at us and saying that we were, like, disrespectful and, like, just like, were telling us to get off the beach. And and she was just, like, she was a bit younger than me and her name's Natasha Sand and um, she's on the committee now for Sri Lankan Women Surfers. And sh- she turned around and she inspired me so much because she just told the guy to beat it. He, she was like, F off. We can do what we want. <laughs> and and uh, she basically was just, like... I'm allowed to be in a bikini. I'm allowed to surf. I'm allowed to do what I want. You're you're in freaking board shorts right now telling us that we can't be in bikinis surfing. And it's like, what the... Yeah, it is. It's one of those situations where, like... Yeah. We're in 2020. There may be... <laughs> we can do what we, Girls can do anything they want. And that's Fucking cool. earth. And the world will be a much better place for it. <laughs> Check it out, the uh, Know the Feeling documentary series. It's actually proper sick. Like, I was, you know, I, I almost cried, but, but then I didn't, and I actually felt like shit. <laughs> I actually felt like shit all arvo, and then I, I had a Hong Kong, and I actually ended up bawling my, bawling my eyes out over something completely unrelated. I think I spilled some yogurt on my tracksuit pants and uh, just cracked that, me up. That but, is And then sad. I actually felt really good after crying. So, uh... Thank you, I guess, oh, Laura, for... Yeah, I cried a lot when we were doing the film. I think Steve and Matt saw me cry. Like, they, they, when we, like, <laughs> a lot. The, the babiest thing I probably cried about was um, we were driving... We, well, we decided it was a good idea to drive from Sydney to Perth in, like, four days, which, like, meant, like, no sleeping. And I, like, 
pulled over at like one in the morning and we were driving overnight and I just like chucked the biggest tantrum on the side of the road and was like, driving overnight in the dark is not safe. My brother, my dad and my mum said no. And the guys are like, we have to get there. And I'm like, we can't drive overnight. And I just started bawling my eyes out and they were like, fuck, all right. You wussy. No, but they no, made it's a us. Good call. You could get we a kept doing red it. Ca- we just we drove overnight anyway. No, well done. Get a big red kangaroo. They just pulled me in the back and would like have some Valium and just like we'll deal with it. But <laughs> 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 it was good. We made it overnight. Oh, we survived. Righto. Well, um, Laura, just before you go, or we might keep you up here for Dilma's section as well. But uh, tell us where can we see Undone. Is it is it touring? Can we uh, access it online? What's it doing? So it will be we'll be do, we'll be doing a bit of an East Coast tour and then um, it'll be online. Yeah. Okay. Check it out. Undone so by Wally. Laura Enova. <laughs> Steve Wall down in the front row. Maddie Dunbar at the back. Also, Laura has uh, books over there at the merch desk. Undone books. They're forty bucks, and she will sign it for anyone who buys one. She'll sign it personally. For you especially. Front row. I think he's sleeping now. (laughs) He's on the Murray Cod. Old mate's on the Murray Cod. He's a legend. This guy fixes my boards in DY. DY dings, everybody. If you need some dings fixed. That's so good. Round of applause for Laura Enova, the Swellian Queen. Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys. Radio folks, you're in for a treat because our next guest, he never speaks. We don't know where he is. He's so accomplished. Let's roll a bit of music. Walk into the high dry grass. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Two world titles, 19 career wins. Seven of them in one year. He is the ice man. Cold as a psychopathic killer! Welcome to the stage, the best pie shop owner to ever surf on the world tour, Damien Duma Hardman! Damien Hardman. Mate, we never get to hear you speak. This is such a treat. Thank you for coming on the show. No, thanks for having me. It's, I didn't know what to expect, but uh, wow. <laughs> wow. It's, uh, I don't listen to, I don't spend too much time online listening to podcasts and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, this is next level. It's good to be a manly. Yeah, brother. Welcome to the Swellian Army. These guys love you, I'm telling Listen, before uh, Smithy's got a whole, re- he, he's the journo, he's the cone piece winner. I just talk shit. I'm trying to, Turn it down because everyone's been copping me all week from the contest and stuff. But two world titles, 19 world championship tour victories, seven of those in one year. Mate, the obvious question is, what is your recipe for chicken and asparagus pies? Because those fucking things were so good, mate. (laughs) Oh, you Australian hot meat pie, may your future never die. Topped with peas and taters, the variations I have tried. Oh, I never get to thinking just what they put inside. Cause it's no rot, they've got the lot, the Australian hot meat pie. (laughs) 
Well, I actually can't claim um, anything with the pies. And sure, the pie we shop. have royalty in the room. There's no talking up the back. That Me was actually you. my uh, my mum's pie shop. Um, we went in with it with her at Narrabeen, um, where they've got the Oceans restaurant now, and uh, they were good pies. Um, it's funny wherever I go in the world, we only actually had the pie shop for a year. And that was nearly 30 years ago, but I still get people coming up asking me a bit for recipes. <laughs> so my reputation precedes me. Great pies, mate. Great pies. Now, Duma, this has been bothering me all week. I've got to know. Uh, you know, you came up with Tom Carroll, obviously. But uh, did you ever find it ironic that you ended up with the nickname Iceman? Well, I, I guess it's, you know, we can speak about all that stuff now. Now that, uh, you know, it's all out of the cupboard and Tom's written a book and everyone knows about Tom's history. But, it, yeah, it was a bit ironic. <laughs> well <laughs> we, said. Which takes me back to the first trip I ever did to Brazil. And it was when the tour hadn't been to Brazil for a long time. I think we went there and my first year on tour was 1986. And we checked into the hotel, and when we walked in the door, this guy, this Brazilian guy, like literally walked into our room, and he had a big bag of cocaine, which I didn't know was cocaine at the time. And he said, "Hey, where is Tommy Carroll?" <laughs> <laughs> and we went next door. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Tommy was uh, waiting in there and hit you in the face with a uh, snowball full of cocaine as he walked through the door. No, that I thought was, that's what was going on on tour in the 80s. No, that, well, we're, it was a bit early for In the that. next room, obviously. But uh, talk to us about your, your era at North Narrabeen. You're one of the greats, one of the North Narrabeen goats. But, yeah, who did you come up with and, you know, what kind of a, a culture was it in those days? Well, North Narrabeen was, a, well, it was probably the, the most competitive surf break in Australia. You know, when I grew up, my heroes were, you know, Terry Fitzgerald, Simon Anderson, Mark Warren, Cole Smith... And it was, um, it was a great place to grow up. Um, watching those guys and surfing with them every day was, um, that definitely kept you in line. And it sort of made you appreciate that no one, no matter how good you surfed, no one was better on land than anyone else. It was a real leveller. And Narrabeen's still like that. And uh, it's re I think it's one of the reasons we've got so many good surfers like Laura and all the kids, you know, Geordie Lawler now and... Um, Cooper Chapman, you know, they're the new kids, but uh, that's the way Narrabeen is. We've always had a lot of great surfers. But when you were a Grom, uh, the place was the epicentre. You know, Simon, obviously, the impact that he'd had on world surfing in all sorts of conditions. You had TF there, one of the, the great minds, one of the great, you know, unique characters in surfing. And then you had you coming through. What, what was it like being a Grom coming into that atmosphere? Well, it was sort of intimidating. You know, you, you, you were surfing with guys that were your heroes. And the funny thing is that like, you look back now, when you were 14, the guy that was 16 seemed like he was 30. He was a different generation. So I grew up with guys who were, um, you know, two or three years older than me, but were idols. And it's not till you get later on in life that you go, we're, we're all just the same age. So, uh, like, Fitzy and, and Simon, they were the guys who got all the recognition. But there was another... 30 guys in between them that was through the generations that were the same, were as good. And, and when did you start to feel like you, you had it? Like, did, was there a moment where people started t uh, paying attention to you? There's a, there's a photo on the screen here which is iconic. There's Oki, like tiny little Oki. You, who are these two guys? 
I think that's uh, Bryce Ellis, and I'm not sure who the guy on the right is. But like, but you're young in this photo, mate. You're look, you look. I think that 14 was under or 15. I think that was the under 12 schoolboys. Wow, final. under 12. So and clearly, you were, you knew you had some talent early. Well, me and Oki grew up together. We were the same age. We went through the juniors together, and you'd never. Well, for me, I never really thought I had it till you actually got it until you're there. But Oki was the protege. He was the guy that was. Uh, well, like, we went to the um, the Australian schoolboys in Western Australia. We're in the under 15s, and it was six foot Margaret's, and Oki didn't go out. And then I remember two years later, he won the Pipe Masters, and I went, well, fuck, how did that happen? <laughs> I was still at school. <laughs> and I remember, I remember my, my old man, he said, you're staying at school no matter what. And I was like, look at Oki, he just won the Pipe Masters. But anyway, we, t- we took different paths, and um, it, it, it all worked out for both of us in the end, so it was good. We didn't have to wait long to claim your first world title. You won it at age 21 in 1987, and you won it right here in, at Manly um, in one of the, the most kind of dramatic showdowns in surfing history, really, against, uh, against you know, one of your old, old, like, well, yeah, legendary rivals in Gary Elkerton Kong. But tell us about how you kept it together, man, at age 21, so young in such a dramatic scenario. Well, I was the underdog. When we, you know, we just done the, the, the Hawaiian leg of the tour and, and Elko had a really good Hawaiian leg. We came into the Australian leg and I think I was in fourth spot. And um, it really got to the, you know, the, the last, well, it started off with Bells. Um, I won Bells. That sort of put me in the lead. And it came down to the last event of the year. It was the semi-final and it was me and Elko. And whoever won that heat was the world champion. And it was at 21, you know, I never thought I would have been there at that point in my career. And I don't think Elko did either. Um, so was, the pressure was, was immense. I remember the night before, I didn't sleep. Got down to the beach in the morning and there was, a, there was so many people from the northern beaches and from Narrabeen. And I still remember we were, me and Elko were both walking through the crowd and that's when Elko wasn't... He wasn't Kong. He was Gary. And I remember... <laughs> Uh, I remember, I don't know who it was, but one of the old Narrabeen guys went, go Kong. And, and he just, Kong just turned around. He wanted to fight him. And I was like, that's good. He's going to waste a bit of energy here. And then someone else went, go Kong. And then all of a sudden there was these Kongs everywhere. And he, Elko's head was just going around like on a swivel stick. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, so it was a pretty intense heat. It was, the waves were actually good. It was good Queenscliff, three foot, you know, really clean, good right-handers. And at that point, that was probably my strength was my backhand. So I sort of felt like I had an advantage on the day because Elko was a big guy. Um, and, you know, we had a, a pretty tight heat. Not as tight as he thinks it was, but <laughs> Elko's one of those guys, you know, as, as time goes by, you, what, it, everything just grows bigger and bigger and bigger. So um, I think in his mind, I won Including by, him. Yeah, in, <laughs> In his mind, I think I just beat him by like one hundredth of a point. That was intense, mate. But tell us how your life changed after that. Well, for me, it was I was it was sort of unexpected. You know, I didn't I didn't know what was going to be in, what was involved in being a world champion. So it sort of hit me, for, you know, like a ton of bricks. There was so much expectation, and the next year, well, the, the next year on tour was when uh, Barton won. And uh, I think for me, that was the best year I had on tour in my whole career. That's when you won seven 
WCT events but didn't win the world title. Yeah. Well, That's it, fucking hard to believe. How do you, If you win three CTs now, it's basically shut the door. You won seven and didn't win the world title. Well, back then, I think, it, well, for me that year, I was like first or last. There was nothing in between because I'd celebrate the win. I'd be that hungover for the next one that I'd get last. So, <laughs> so it was a lesson to, to be learned. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, the events that year were, um, I think there was three grades of events. So it wasn't like now where they're all on the same level, all got the same points. So, uh, yeah, I won some of the big ones, some of the medium ones, some of the small ones. Can you, uh, uh, this is my favourite event in surf history. I talk about it on this program all the time. The, the uh, 88 Billabong Pro World Title Climax. Barton, you, Tom Carroll. Uh, and it is heaving perfect pipeline. Tom's the favourite because uh, he's the man out there. Can you just describe your version of that day? Well, for me, that, that, well, I had a, a shit-ass year in Hawaii the year before, and that's when Elko had a good year. So for me, there was a lot of noise coming into Hawaii. You know, there was a lot of expectation. Everyone, you know, I was the underdog. People were saying I couldn't surf in Hawaii. So there was just a lot of pressure, and that was probably the most pressure I ever had in my career. And I remember Potts saying to me, look, no matter what, just go out and get the biggest wave that you can find. And I remember I had a heat with Oki, um, I waited out there for about 15 minutes for like a, a, a second reef pipe wave. Got it, pulled into the barrel. It was a, a, I was coming out of the barrel and I was just that stoked I was coming out. I put my hand up, went just to claim it and just got my head taken off. No. And that, that was pretty much my world title. You know, I think I would have won that heat if I came out of that barrel. And that was probably, that was the only time I ever claimed in my career. So. <laughs> wow, that's cosmic. So, so it was a good lesson to learn then, early. But you had to sit on the beach, right? Because didn't you have the lead or something was going on? You were sitting on the beach and you had to watch the rest of the comp. Well, Barton had to, I think Barton had to win pipe to win. So that was in the, I think, the second round. So Barton had to win four heats, to his credit, to win the world title. So I remember Derek Hines saying to me, sit on the beach and just get a voodoo doll out. Just fucking pin it, pin it. <laughs> I didn't do that because I didn't have a voodoo doll, but <laughs> the, the thought was definitely there. So I sat on the beach. By the time we got to the quarters, I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm out. So, um, yeah, as history shows, Barton won the world title. And, you know, what he did that day was pretty amazing. Yeah, and Duma, mate, your, your backhand surfing in particular was, you know, it was like clockwork. It was ahead of its time. Um, talk to us about getting into that kind of rhythm and, like, yeah, how you unlocked that kind of rhythm? Well, I was from Narrabeen, so we didn't have many good rights. We just had good lefts. But I remember Cole Smith vividly saying to me one day in the surf, and he was one of those guys, he had an amazing backhand. It was super vertical. And I remember Cole Smith said, hey, we're, we're disadvantaged. We're the screwfoots. He said, whenever you get the chance, whack it on your backhand. And I sort of did. And, it, you know, as history shows, that sort of was my strength in my surfing. And, um, you know, I, I always look back and go, that was really good advice from Cole Smith. And let's just point out a two-time winner at Bells. This guy has rung the bell twice. I mean, that's, for some people, that's a world title. I think it's still one of the most special events you can possibly win. Um, tell us about the Iceman reputation. Were you a guy who... Uh, you know, 
paddled out knowing full well exactly how to press the button of your opponent. We had Shane Dorian on this podcast back at Burley tell a story about, uh, you know, he paddled out and you were just icing him out as you do and he ended up flipping, just going, you surf like a girl, you're shit house, I fucking hate you. And you were just going, I've got this guy on toast. This is too easy. And uh, he said that after that heat, you actually came up to him and went, man, I actually respect you a lot more than I did because I can see how bad you want it. But how easy was it for you against these alpha male, you know, giant egos of the time to just get under their skin and whitewash them with just icy, cold, psychopathic well, it wasn't, gnarliness? It wasn't something I did consciously. It was, um, you, know, it was, you know, I was pretty quiet as a person, kept to myself. And so I sort of did my own thing. I always thought you just got to let your, your surfing do the talking and worry about your own game. You don't worry about other people. So I always did my own thing. And, um, you know, it was funny to hear Shane say that years later. But I remember in that heat, we actually had a paddle race. Where, and that's when the Priority Boys used to be about 200 metres out past the break. And I was at the end of my career. He was at the start. And we locked arms the whole way out. We were grunting. And I remember I was just thinking, I'm not going to lose this paddle race. Fuck you, you little grubbit. And, <laughs> and I, I won that paddle race. And pretty much he was that spent that he, he, he was stuffed after that. And I could see it. And he was bitching because he was spent. So, um, so he, you know, he, he always said later on, he said well, it was a good lesson. And um, he was carrying on out there. And I, was, I looked at him. I was like, go, go do your best, mate. I <laughs> <laughs> love that. I want a great quote here from the Encyclopedia of Surfing, Matt Warshaw, the 72-time Gold Cone Piece Award-winning surf journalist. <laughs> he, uh, he's, this, is, uh, this is one of yours, Dilmer, actually. He said, uh, to me, surfing was almost like a game of maths. I got the Iceman nickname because I never panicked and I won a lot of heats right at the death. I'd need a score and I'd get it. I've always been fascinated uh, by, how, by how open and unpredictable the playing field is in surfing with so many variables due to the reliance on nature and all that. I mean, what were the parallels with maths in your mind? I did shithouse in maths at school. So, <laughs> Well, b- back when I was competing, it was best four waves. So it was a lot different to now. So if you had a 20-minute 20, 20 heat, you had to catch four waves. You couldn't sit there and be idle. So you pretty much had to get four good waves and get the four best waves. So I think the best thing that ever happened to professional surfing was they went from best four to best three and now it's best two. And it's really raised the, the performance level. But in a lot of places, it's, there's not as much, as much action. So, um, you know, it was, I, I sort of thought it was a little bit like maths. So we, we actually never had commentators telling you what you needed back in the day. So you had to figure it out for yourself. So um, if you had half a brain, you could watch what the other guys were doing and predict what they were getting scored. And um, do the same for your, your own performance. It sounds like you're saying that half of the pro tour at that stage had less than half a brain. <laughs> no, they all had a brain. But, yeah, I remember competing against Rod Kerr, for instance, you know, in um, Zarouse. My heat was at 9 o'clock. He was still swimming nude at 8 o'clock the <laughs> night before. Well played, Kerbox. Gun Valley's finest himself, representing the suburb uh, with pride. And, and the funny thing was, the, the heats that you thought you were going to win like that one, you almost lost, so... Now, Slater is on the record. Well, hang on. Just, I just want to um, ask Dilma, just before we get on to that, Smivy, um, just the context of your second world title. Because it went 87, you, 88, Barton, and then 89, Potts. 
90 Tom Curran, and then you, and then Kelly Slater. So there's a, a massive generational leap that happens after your second world title. Tell us about that year, because Kelly had started to poke up around the traps. Everyone knew this, m not momentum generation yet, but the new school was coming. How did you view that when you were, you know, basically the world champ at that time? And how did you win that world champ? Well, I think, you know, when Slater came on the scene, he'd, he'd been surfing around the events for a few years. So we all got to see him surf. And you could tell at a young age, he was one of those people you see that's special. He had the X factor. But he just came from nowhere that year. You know, no one had expected him to win. We expect him to do well. But he basically schooled us all. So from that point on, that was the that was but, a new generation. Describe the year that you won your second world title. Where were you at in your head? Did you know it was coming? And could you sense that there was a big shift about to go down? Not at all. You know, I, I was going for the world title with Brad Gerlach and I think Karen and all the usual guys, Tom Carroll, Potts. But um, I, we had no idea that Slater's generation was going to take over so quick. You know, we were all in the prime of our careers and um, he, he, oh, he's, he's special. He's one of those people that, you know, he's still surfing at 48. So I think, um, shit, 48 is a bloody long time ago. So, uh, no, he was a freak. And um, I think a lot of the other guys from the Momentum generation, they're all good, but he was the single guy that changed that whole, the whole playing field. You know, his surfing was tighter, faster, smoother. He was basically everything that we weren't. You might have been a freak and he might have been special, but he's on the record as saying your tactics rattled him. Uh, I'm interested to know, like, can you give us an insight into Slater's tactics and mind games and like, uh, why you were impervious to them, why you had the wood on, on Kelly when it comes to the kind of head fuckery? I actually never thought I had any wood on him. <laughs> um, he was, um, you know, he was, he was a ruthless competitor. Whatever you played him in, whether it was ping pong, cards, he wanted to beat you. And um, that hasn't changed. But, you know, I think I had a lot of heats with him, but he definitely, I'm not sure what the, the, the score was, but he was well up on me. So <laughs> I don't know why he thinks I rattled him. We had one heat at Newcastle where waves were good. He was the, I was the underdog. He was the world champ and I won. But that was the only one that I can actually remember. Okay. Well, we hear a lot about Slater's tactics, uh, some of which, you know, blur the line between friend and enemy. What typifies Slater's style of gamesmanship? I just think that... How do you mean gamesmanship? Well, I mean, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, you know, say something like when Slater come up and, and hugged Andy uh, before the 2003 Pipe Masters World Title Showdown. Is that... Is that... Like, as Andy said, is that gamesmanship or is that, you know, he said, I love you like a brother. Is that gamesmanship or is that mateship? Uh, you know, the Rob Machado high five in 95, uh, gamesmanship, mateship. I just think it's, I just think he's in the moment. I think when he does stuff like that, like he did with Rob Machado at Pipe, I think it's just the moment. You know, you're surfing Pipe, perfect Pipe. You're surfing out there with your mate and you're both ripping and they're having a good time. You know, but I think... With Andy, I think his relationship with Andy was a lot different. You know, I think with Andy, he definitely would have been trying to rattle him. And that would have been his way of rattling him. And it's, Slater would do that, not all the time, but when he did, you knew it, knew it meant something. How many times did you and uh, Barton high-five during your final out here at Manly Beach? 
probably closest we came to high-fiving was fighting over the pool table in Zaraus in Spain. Um, no, I think our generation was a little bit different. I think our generation was more competitive, wasn't as much money, so it was more cutthroat. We had more to lose and more to win. Um, so I think, yeah, like myself, Barton, Tom, Tom Carroll, like we never socialised, never did anything. It was real cut and dried. I just feel like, I don't know about you guys, I mean, like Smithy said, we're kind of all around the same age, but that generation, the, the ego, the, the chest beating, you know, the, the just full-blown belief that these guys had in themselves was unlike anything we've really seen since. There's a lot of humble characters out there in pro surfing now. Do you I miss that? Do you miss these, you know, larger-than-life giants walking around telling everyone, you know, walk this way and I'm the man at Pipeline and all that sort of stuff? I think it was pretty good. You know, when I look back at it and see, you know, Potts' movie, you know, everyone was, um, I think it was a bit more individual. Everyone was hungrier. But we were hungrier because that was our, it's not like now where guys are getting paid millions of dollars a year to surf and compete. We were, you know, there's probably three or four guys that were making a living out of it and everyone else was just struggling. So we had a lot more to gain and a lot more to lose. So you, you basically had to win heats to, um, to survive and get to the next event. And it didn't matter whether you were the world champion or the, you know, someone rated 40th, we all had the same hunger. Speaking of get a, getting stooged for money, is there any truth to the rumour that Rip Curl couldn't afford to pay you your world title winning bonus because they, they'd blown all their money on sending Tom Curran on the search? Well, at the time, no. It was a <laughs> at the time, they weren't doing too well. They weren't, they weren't actually trading that well. So um, I didn't get paid my bonus for winning the, the second world title for about three years. But, you know, that's, that's why I'm sort of still involved with them because they recognise that fact. They recognise I did the right thing at the time and, um, you know, I'm still in business with them. So um, I guess it's good karma. Mate, um, you were on tour from 84, correct me if I'm wrong, to around 2001, is that right? Yeah. And, and a couple of times you looked like you might retire and then all of a sudden you'd go on a winning streak and, and finish in the top 10 again. Well, what, what was it in the end that, you know, because it seems like some people struggle with the tour, they, they're forced to retire. It seemed like you just could have kept going forever. What made you pull the plug in the end? Well, I guess um, I was good mates with Barton at the end of our careers and uh, Barton, reti Barton retired and he, I was like on the fence. I'm like, I'm going to retire too. So we had a testimonial together and uh, we raised a heap of money for the um, Disabled Surfers uh, Foundation and I thought, no, I'll just do the Australian leg. If I do all right, I'll keep going and that's what happened. And then, uh, so I did that year. Then the next year came around, I said the same thing. If I do the Aussie leg... And do well, I'll keep going. And then halfway through, the, that's when Fiji came back on the calendar. So I went, I'm definitely going to Fiji. I've been waiting on my whole career to surf cloud break in a comp. So I did cloud break and did pretty well there. I think I got to the quarters. And then went to California, went to Huntington Beach. And Andy Irons was the, the last guy to qualify on the qualifying series the year before. So his old man was ringing me every event going, what are you doing? What are you doing? Andy wants to surf for the next event. So I got to California, went to Huntington Beach, went to check in and just went, fuck, the waves are that bad. I can't do this. 
So I rang Andy's old man and said, you're in. I've flown all the way here. You've given me my first plate for my, you know, give me my first round prize money and you, my spot's yours. And so Andy got my spot and uh, won the world title next year. Fuck off. How's that story? Mental trivia. Deep core knowledge. I hope they ask that question at pub trivia in a few years. I'm going to lock that one away. Uh, Tuma, like, when you look back on your career, uh, we don't see a lot of you. Why not? Why aren't you sort of poking up here and there and, and giving us your expertise? Because after you retired, you were a contest director at Bells for years. I know that you didn't give one flying fuck what the surfers wanted to do, whether they wanted to surf or not. You're going, no, no, you're out there. Just fucking go surf. I've got no time for this. Um, you were a great contest director. I was, I was we calling. always got home early. Yeah, exactly. It was so good, you know, just turning the tables. You would have been the first guy in there, wouldn't you, in the old days going, I'm not surfing that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was, so, yeah, I was. But, mate, um, we want to see more of you. What, what are you up to? How come, how come we don't? Well, I'm just happy doing what I do. I, I don't like being in the limelight. I've never enjoyed that. Um, you know, I, I'm happy... <laughs> This is uh, sums why. up Tillman's world title celebration. He can't tell at which point. The, he can't tell which one's the trophy. He's like, I know you put the jug of beer on your fucking mantelpiece. What's what the girl the doing thing? down there in the bottom left? <laughs> no, I, I remember when I won the world title that year. Is that was, Tina Turner? <laughs> I didn't know she was in your entourage. Simply the best. No, no it was... Uh, that was the Narrabeen tradition. If you won a contest, you have, had to have a keg. And that year, all the Narrabeen guys, when I got up there, they went, no, you need a, you need a, a yard glass. And that's, that was the next best thing. But um, just going to this last shot, I think we've got one more here. Oh, yeah. The worst surf card ever made, by the way. Another wonderful feather in your cap. Have a look at that thing. Fuck, they stitched you up, whoever that company is. <laughs> they had 17 years of World Tour glory to choose from, and they... Picked a photo of your belt in a one-foot shore. Are you kidding me? What a stitch-up. <laughs> well, I think it was Newport, Newport, Newport Peak, middle of winter. Mate. They said you got to wear a spring suit. you got 20 minutes. If I was a kid collecting surf cards, I would have gone like this. Yes, I've got Tom Carroll. I've got Barton. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the next one, Louis. I'm pretty sure this is the one. Where is it? Come on. No, there isn't another one. Oh, well, fuck it. I blew it. You get that. Anyway, mate, look, you've had a couple of hip replacements, right? Where, where, where do you feel you're at right now with your relationship with surfing? Because everyone thinks of you as this hyper-psycho competitor. And I think they underestimate just how much you love surfing. Because uh, I surf with you at Narrabeen all the time. You're always frothing. You finally got rid of that pain in your leg. Where are you at with surfing today? I get as much enjoyment out of surfing now as what I did when I was 10. So, yeah, you know, I... Mad. Very mad. I, I think if you spoke to my son who's here tonight, he'll tell you this afternoon, it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I said, mate, we're going surfing, it's pumpy. He's, I, get, I surfed for 40 minutes, it was shit, but I got home, he said, oh, it didn't look that good in the camps. I was like, new school, fucking get out there. Ah. No, Come I, on, I millennial. You heard the man. As a special treat, I think Patrick's going to drag out a piece of uh, fibro and do some tap dancing on it like he did for me one time when I came to your place for dinner. Bells. <laughs> hey, your... There it is. Uh, no, that's not it. But anyway, look. 
Damien Hardman, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope to see a lot more of you. Thanks, Blakey. And it's been a real pleasure. The Iceman. All right. Sit down. Okay. Is Can't Laura away. still in the house? Is Laura still in the house? Hey, get back up here, Laura. Up here. Hey, can we play our um, intro song again just because it's a fucking banger and I want to hear it again? All right, we're going to throw it open to you guys. We've got two-time world champ and one of the most freakish trailblazing women surfers in history on stage right now. And I think we've got another prize here, Smivy, another billabong pack going out. Who wants to ask one of these guys a question? Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie. Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie. Right, here we go. The Swellians are on, and good luck, Duma. Good luck, Laura. This could be really fucking heavy. All right. What's your name, bro? Hey, buddy. I've written this one down for you. Personally, for you. Yeah, for you. Vaughn, this week in Manly, you've called one of the most controversial QS heats of all time. The free surfer in question may or may not be one of our friends. I just want to know what Jed gives him as a score for his wave when he tries to push fucking Charlie Kuvonda off. Oh, uh... There's shades of Phyllis O'Donnell, actually, the uh, first woman's world champion uh, who famously would throw men on the rocks uh, who dropped in on her. And I think he was attempting that manoeuvre. As far as a score, I mean, look, mate, it's a, it's a fucking, like, top-rated WQS event, uh, surfing into the contest zone and trying to stiff-arm a competitor. It's highly unorthodox, but I'll pay it. I'll give it a 667. And have a couple of cone pieces, sir. Great question. Is your mate in the room? What's your name? I'm Harry Vaughan. Oh, hey, Harry. Sorry, mate. Lovely Go for to it. be part of the show. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you for this honour. I really appreciate it. Um, I've got a little bit of a controversial question for Laura. Long-time fan of the show, by the way. Started listening about two weeks ago. <coughs> <laughs> so, Laura, firstly, I love you. So does everybody else here, apparently. <laughs> La-di-da. So, I had a friend... And I, I want to say, this friend isn't me, but uh, he was surfing North Narra a couple of months ago, right? And a certain someone, <coughs> you, dropped in on him. And that's fine, you know, these things happen. That's totally, that's, that's just a part of surfing. And he said a little, oi, and you politely went, oh, hopped off. Totally fine there, totally normal scenario. You probably did a couple of nice turns in front of him and destroyed the wave and... He surfed it terribly. This is turning into a Kong story. Uh, I'll, get the, I'll get to the point. Yeah. I'll get to the juicy part. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Hey, hey. Come on, juicy part. Come Sco- on. Scooter and you and a bourbon and coke. Go to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he paddles back out back. And one of your crusty old Narrabeen local mates says, do I, do, oh, do, you know, do you know who that was? Blah, blah, blah. 
clocks him in the face. Who <laughs> <laughs> was your brother? To paddle in. Wade. It was her brother. No, it wasn't Chris. Chris is a nice man. Nice man. Was that a question or a statement? Yeah, yeah. What was the question? I'm just wondering what your stance is on localism, especially as as a girl in uh, in surfing. And yeah. he came good. He actually came good. Great I'm question. proud of you, Harry. Well Have done, a couple mate. of cone pieces. What is, you know, you two both are, I think this is relevant for both Laura and Damien. You know, you come from a local stronghold. What's your views on localism these days? You're both women. <laughs> I'm really sorry for your friend. Sorry. <laughs> I like, no. <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I don't know what happened that day and I don't know if he actually did get hit in the face or not, but if he did, that, that's probably a bit sad. He deserved um, it, Laura. That's my call. <laughs> Have we got another question? Who's got a question for Duma or Laura? All right. Right here. What's your name, mate? Uh, my name's Tim. I've got a question for the two groupies in the front where actually... When you walked in here, what did you say to the Seckies when they asked you how many drinks you've had? Well said. Have a cone piece. We got a leader for the prizes. Who's got a question? Anyone? Anyway, one up the back. Let's get up here. Does anyone actually want to ask Laura or Damien a question, or are we all just fucking the funniest guy in the room? I'd just like to ask what the fuck Tom Carroll was like in his heyday. Was he an absolute core lord or like what? Well said. He was a, Tom Carroll was a core lord. He, no one surfed harder or faster with more passion. Um, what? So what was, what was the question? Was that <laughs> wrong answer? Tell us what he was really like, you know, behind the scenes. We all know. He was, he was, he, well, don't believe everything you read for one, but I remember having one heat with him in Brazil and we were in the final together in Rio. It was the first time we'd gone back to Rio and uh, he was late for the final. And it's pretty hard to be late for the final at Rio because we all stay in the one place right across the road from the contest. So I, I was out there for five minutes by myself and then it was this really good little left bank and when he got out there, I just remembered he went that fast down the line that he just couldn't cut back, back to the power source. <laughs> and it wasn't until years later that I figured out why he was just going so fast. <laughs> That's a true story. Great question. Have a cone piece. Anyone else? Anyone else? <laughs> that's, the, that's the best answer of the night. Here we got one over here. I've got a question for Laura. Um, as a, as a, a female core lord, what are your thoughts on should the females be surfing at places like the box and, and cloud break heavy and all that sort of stuff? Chopes, what are your thoughts on that? That's a great question. Pipeline, Chopu, are we going to see the girls out there in the next couple of years? I think so, for sure. 
I think the girls can and they will and it's only a matter of time. Yes. <laughs> Laura's voice is about to clap out, I think. I've got no more voice. All right. Let's, uh, this is it. Last question of the night. Duma, I want to ask a question about the uh, infamous Nara uh, heat with Tom Carroll. Uh, I'm glad you went That's there. That's obviously where the Iceman nickname comes from. And I want to know, in hindsight, your feelings about the interference call, the infamous duck dive turnaround. Can you, can you talk about it? Yeah, it was, um, there was one of those things. Great question. Yeah, it was good. that is a good question. I'm surprised it didn't come up earlier. Because we had, we had two surfers uh, in the room tonight who were involved in two of the most contentious interference calls well, of all time, well, really. I think, you know, at the time, we were surfing within the rules. And, uh, you know, I, it was, it's like the Medina thing this year. Most people wouldn't have even thought of that. And I thought of it at the time, and it was just like spur of the moment because in that point in time, it was one person, one wave. There was no grey. It was just black and white. And the motivation for me on that day, I remember paddling out and I just bought a house and had a huge mortgage. And I went, fuck, I need it more than Tom Carroll. <laughs> it's just going straight up Tommy's nose. It's got a beautiful view, that house. So, so th that, that, was, that was sort of the motivation. But when I saw what Medina did at, uh, at Pipe, I was like, no one. Like, I, was a, I thought I was a savvy competitor, but I wouldn't have thought of what he did in that, you know, with, um, with his fellow countrymen. Quite just basically dropping in on him. So, um, I just think most guys who are competing surf within the rules and you do whatever you have to do to win. That's what I did. That's what he did. Um, and that's the way it goes. I, wouldn't have I would have done the same thing if I had my time over. The Iceman, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the two-time world champion. I think that wraps us up, Vaughn. That's us, Mimi. I would just like to say to everyone, thanks so much for coming out tonight. Enjoy night. That's well nah. live. The Up in Smoke tour. We're going to be over at the merch desk, but Laura's going to be there signing her book for anyone who wants a copy of it. I would recommend reading it and giving it to uh, someone young and influ... What, what is it? Impressionable. It's really good. But if Duma is selling a book, fucking run for the hills. <laughs> thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. 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 You've got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me? Are 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 you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me?
Are you kidding me? Are you fucking 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 kidding me?